0: All right. Uh, you know, it's so funny. Um, thank you, Ray. Ray's worked with us for uh, years now, and you would think that after all these years, he would know how to pronounce Adrian's last name. Oh, good. Uh, not the case. <laughs> uh, along with Adrian Broadus, I'm Steve Kaplowitz. Welcome back, everybody, as uh, we come live out here to Radio Rose, Super Bowl 57, where we're going to spend uh, the next three days with you uh, and uh, three hours per day. With the exception of tomorrow's show, we're on until 6.30 because of UTEP and Charlotte. Super excited about the program. Uh, thanks to our RISE Federal Credit Union broadcast location and uh, RISE FCU uh, bringing it to us here on the show. Not to mention we've got tons of sponsors. They come and, and just continue to... Uh, join us oh man what a 3 hours it was with uh Foss and Chris laying down the law from 12 to 3 fantastic way to kick things off they had some super guests and this place uh, is still buzzing. Here we are. We've been here for about six hours, Adrian, ever since we arrived around 10 in the morning. And this place right now is still rocking and rolling.
1: We arrived at 10. Our day started at 6 in the morning. It's been a long day, but such a rewarding one for us here on Sports Talk. And we are bringing it here to Phoenix, Arizona, getting everybody ready for Ful- uh, Super Bowl 57 between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles. We had some unbelievable interviews earlier today. We have some great guests coming up here on the show. And uh, I'm fired up, Steve. we got three big days of sports.
0: We do. And I'll tell you, the fun part also is is that we could have surprises jumping in throughout the next uh, three hours and three days. So, uh, you know, some guests we, uh, we've we got ready to go. Others uh, are just going to be dropping on by, which is really what it's all about. And uh, kind of the fun and beauty of the show is getting a chance to see people uh, arrive in real time and, and bring them right on the program. Uh, just to uh, paint the picture, though, We are located in Booth 88. There are over 100 uh, booths uh, from stations uh, all over the country and networks all over the world. Because when we were at the press conference earlier today for the Chiefs, we saw Germany, we saw Denmark, we saw Mexico City. More and more people arriving, asking questions, and just taking part in the uh, uh, festivities, which was first Andy Reid for 15 minutes, then Patrick Mahomes. And after that, so interesting all the players lined up throughout the hotel conference area in the lobby, some outside, the coaches were outside and everybody accessible to the media today.
1: That's what I was so impressed by, Steve. I, I know that uh, our, our team from Laying Down the Law, they held it down for us when it came to the opening night, and they got some great quotes, great interviews from a lot of players, but we got to be personal, one-on-one with some of these guys, and I'm talking about some of the biggest names on the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Sky Moore, a young rookie, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, a guy that we knew all the way back with the Green Bay Packers, how he emerged in their wide receiver core, now he's helping out the Chiefs in their run. Uh, Got a chance to speak with guys like Legarius Sneed, Louisiana Tech's finest, now one of the key secondary members for the Chiefs. And these guys were accessible. They were talkative. They loved to spend time with us, and that's what was so awesome about today.
0: So interesting, too, because when we've seen Sun Bowl press conferences, the coaches will have their own press conference. Um, The players are only talking – usually in a very slight window after practice or before practice, and then the rest of the practice is closed to the media. But this was much more wide open, and it's funny, because when Foss and Chris were here Monday night, they said that it was awesome, because both teams were in a large area, there was media everywhere, they were part of these large scrums, or in all, and, and and I can imagine what that was like. This was just a little different, because there wasn't nearly as many media around each individual. It was a much more personal situation a lot of one-on-one
1: you know what's also interesting about that steve is it's Non-traditional formats that we're starting to see. I mean, we're talking about digital podcasts where they can do things on the fly. We're talking about TV stations here who just need certain clips. And then it comes to the radio, guys like us. We need people for longer-form segments. So uh, for us in these kind of situations, we're having to just go on a fly, talk to these people, give yep. a good local twist to it, and uh, and you know deliver that message back home to El Paso.
0: I mean, right in front of us right now is Jamal Hill, the light heavyweight champion for UFC, who uh, just um, about uh, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, unanimous decision over Glover Teixeira in UFC 283 to win the belt, brand new. I mean, this belt has been on his waist and on his shoulders for weeks he's here right now floating around and getting a chance to be a part of this.
1: You know, it's awesome to see all the UFC personalities today, Steve. I mean, you know, yesterday got getting a chance to see president of the UFC Dana White. Yep. We got a chance to see Sean O'Malley walk around today and now you get a chance to see Jamal Hill, one of the biggest names that you're going to find in all of UFC uh, you know, fighting. And I love the fact that he's here. Love the fact that he's uh conversing with people and uh yeah, this is uh, a there's so many great names that are just walking around our booth like it's normal. As
0: far As far as broadcasters go, yesterday when we got here, I just had a chance to check out the setup for the very first time. Had a chance at the end of the day to go talk to Tony Bruno, uh, one of the great legends of the business. He's been around for 40 years, and he was actually hosting weekends when ESPN Radio first launched in the early 90s with Chuck Wilson, one of the great shows that ESPN had back in those days. Stand right next to him, JT the Brick, who we used to air on this radio station some uh, 20-something years ago when uh, JT worked for Sports Fan Radio Network, and we were an affiliate of that. So fun to see certain individuals have a lot of history with our station, a lot of history with us and, and our listeners, and the guys that are legends in the business that have been doing this for a long time
1: yeah most definitely i mean we're getting a chance to see people that you know we listen to on the way here it's people that we wake up in the morning and that we hear on a daily basis That's right. i mean one of uh, the you know uh special guests that i'm looking forward to the most that we just casually ran into warren sharp who mm-hmm. is diving into the new version of analytics so you talk about some of the people who've been here year after year the the voices that we've heard left and right well warren sharp is one of those guys kind of in the football analytics world who's breaking through and bringing uh, new ideas and new things that we've never seen before in terms of analyzing the football game.
0: Yeah, it really started with Aaron Schatz at footballoutsiders.com because we had Aaron on for years and years. And then as Aaron got bigger with ESPN, here comes Warren Sharp and what he's doing right now. And truly a guy that has uh, an amazing range of talent and analysis Finding things that nobody else would would, would find.
1: And you know what? We were talking about all the different ranges of coverages that are happening here. you got Warren Sharp talking analytics. You've got Pro Football Focus. Uh, They're talking analytics as well. We'd love to bring some of those guys on here throughout the week as well. Uh, You have other guys who are so focused on betting. Sports gambling, odds. We've got the fan, you know, FanDuel, DraftKings out here as well. And that's been a huge part of this as well. We know how big the sports gambling side of all this is. And you know what? Now we're seeing it firsthand right here in Arizona.
0: And add all the current and former players that are here, and it just makes for a crazy, crazy uh, three days for us uh, broadcasting live. The Foss uh, is uh, here along with Chris Fernandez as they just uh, finished up laying down the law about an hour ago with a lot of different guests. Cappy, you
2: should have been here. You should have been you should have been here. Before, you know, you talk about these guys, but listen, I'm I'm going to put the respect back. You know, I'm going to serve it back to you. Cappy, you're just as good as anybody that's sitting in this room. You've been solid. I wouldn't have come from the East Side to the West and collaborated like this if one, the friendship was automatic, but two, highest quality friend, okay? Yeah. So, you know, the fact that you're here It's kind of like, like I said, like Drew Pearson. The wait was way too long. But, again, uh, the opportunity is now, and we're excited as a show, as fellow El Pasoans, to support what you've been doing excellently and should have been here. But you know what? It's great that you're here now. It's awesome they gave us Table 88 for a variety of reasons. That's true. And uh, to, to be able to be another 88 you know what that means for Dallas Cowboys fans, and uh, you deserve 88 as the table designation, Cappy. Uh, I know it's welcome to Radio Row, but you, you should have been here a long time ago, and you're going to eat them up.
0: Well, we appreciate that. Uh, it, it's going to be fun for us today, and uh, look, really, the next three days, a lot of different people, as we've mentioned, uh, coming in and out of uh, Radio Row You guys had the opportunity to talk to Sean Merriman today, just to name, uh, you know, you have current players, you have former players, you've got uh, guys, I'm sure that are going to be Hall of Famers dropping in for the next uh, few days as well. Uh, That's really what it's all about. But it's interesting now, as we go live today, Radio Row is thinning out. Have you noticed? I mean, it was really hopping from about 10 a.m. to really 4 p.m. And as we go live, we're starting to see the crowds thin a little bit, which is interesting to but, me.
2: But, Cappy, I, I, I got the next move for you. Okay. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a choice that you, you have to make, but I have, I have evening plans for us if you can attend.
0: Well, that's nice, but I'm worried more about the next three hours than I am the evening, my friend. Oh, you're going to. We've got a show to do here until 7 o'clock. We absolutely No disrespect, do. but uh, <laughs> the evening can wait. We've got, uh, we've got three hours of, talks, of sports talk uh, to get to right now. Oh,
2: absolutely we do, and we will get to it. And, and you should share with your listeners, you know, you've done a lot. And, you you know, you were on our show and, and talking to some, some notables. So, uh, you know, you don't sell yourself short. Well, I want to know what gonna you're going to be- do.
0: Now that you're off the air, will you be delivering guests here on this program over the next three hours, Foss? Because the truth is... You did a lot of work today, and now you're done, and I'm wondering. I'm not, I'm not um, done. Well, well, okay, you know, okay. I'm not done. You were already it. talking about a party tonight. I am. So, to me, that means you're done. No, you, no, no. See, you I can multitask, bro. You already shifted your focus towards tonight. No, no, no. And not towards uh, no, the next three I, I hours. No, I can
2: multitask, bro. So, okay. the fact of the matter is. I think um, you
1: got your swagger back.
2: Uh, <laughs> you know it. You're hilarious, Hey, Loss. listen, listen. Um, I'm going to help any way I can, and uh, we've talked. You may, you may have some guests popping up here and there, uh, right. moving around. I'm excited and, about that. And it is not, it, it's a little bit quieter, yeah. but that's when some of the most interesting things come about. And, yes, you need to have some guests, so we're going to see what – Uh, Steve-O can do in that regard.
1: Hey, you know what's interesting, Steve, about all of this, and I think our listeners would appreciate this, you know, there are a lot of players, there are a lot of athletes who are walking around here collecting a paycheck. I mean, they're out here promoting different things. We saw CeeDee Lamb, of course, standout wide receiver from the Dallas Cowboys. He's promoting a little Old Spice. Mm -hmm. We we saw uh, Mm -hmm. somebody out fresh in college, not even uh, declared for the NFL draft yet, Hendon Hooker, the uh, starting quarterback for the Tennessee Volunteers. He's walking around with the book Bush's Beans uh, polo, you know, promoting some food.
0: You go First off, I wonder if Hendon Hooker had an NIL yeah. opportunity with Bush's Beans while he was playing. True. Um, yeah. I, I, and that would be kind obligation. of interesting in Tennessee. Yeah, you wonder if that was part of it when he transferred over and the NIL started really kicking in. But the uh, point is, right now there's a lot going on. There's a lot of interesting things happening in the sports world. Everybody talking about the GOAT today because of what happened last night with LeBron right. becoming the NBA's all-time leading scorer. Funny how that took over sports radio this morning rather than some of the festivities here at Radio Row inside uh, the Phoenix Convention Center at Super Bowl 57.
1: Yeah, first off, a huge uh, c- congratulations and historical moment to LeBron James. I mean, uh, 38,390 points later, and you get to see one of the greatest players to ever pick up a basketball, uh, but all the conversation today has shifted over to LeBron versus MJ, and it's you know it's understandable, but it's so old, it's so recycled at this I point. I, I just want to appreciate LeBron for what he is right now, and that is uh, uh, somebody who is about to be 40 years old, playing at a very high level in the NBA. No, he's not uh, you know, in contention for a title this year, I, I would say, as the team stands right now. Uh, but you know what? I- I- it sets up for a very interesting trade deadline, which is tomorrow, and uh, the Lakers already in the mix for players like D'Angelo Russell, which uh, it'll be interesting to see if that comes to fruition.
0: It really will be, because uh, that deadline is going to be a lot of fun to keep an eye on. You know that big things are going to be happening, uh, and there will be trades made Made around the NBA so definitely something that we can have the opportunity to talk about here on the show um, meanwhile for us today gonna be a lot of fun we've got some great guests lined up as well um, we talked about being in the Chiefs uh, you know press conference earlier today former UTEP uh, assistant coaches were there they're all on Andy Reid's staff right yeah. now Dave Tobe is the assistant head coach Kenny Flagell is his outside linebackers coach and We had an opportunity to talk to them today out at the uh, press conference. We're going to let you listen to those conversations over the next couple of days. Plus, as you mentioned, members of the Chiefs, um, you know, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. We also had, um, you know, rookie Sky Moore. They were great. You had a terrific interview with a man that a few years ago was terrorizing UTEP as, a, as one of the top to play, uh, players at Louisiana Tech.
1: Yeah, and it's always interesting to talk to a group of five players like Legereus Sneed, who's now, again, a key member of that secondary for the Chiefs right now, has really stepped up over the past two seasons and uh, love what, how he's emerged. And yeah, a lot of minor fans might remember him. Uh, he was a secondary member for Louisiana Tech. He's now one of their key, I guess, uh, recent alumni who is having success in the NFL right now. And, um, you know, it's just cool to catch up with guys like that. It's always, You know, you always talk to the first-round draft picks, the second-round guys, the players who you know are going to be great NFL players from day one. And then to hear guys like that from the group of five schools, from even Conference USA like UTEP fans understand, it's really cool to see them at this stage.
0: Agreed. Um, meanwhile, Stretch915 messages us on the app, I've been listening since lay the law. You guys are doing great. I like lay the law. <laughs> we got to tell that to Foss. Maybe one of these days when he condenses the podcast, he'll turn it into lay the law instead of laying down the law. Good job, Stretch915. I appreciate that.
1: Yeah, because what if you lay up the law? You know, you could do a little MBA uh, twist on it at times. I, I think this is uh, good. Lay the law uh, allows for a lot of flexibility there, Steve.
0: It does. It does. <laughs> and by the way, um, this was awesome. I love this also from Stretch. During the show today, finally the FOSS doesn't sound drunk. <laughs> that is a great message on our mobile app powered by First American Bank. So yeah, we're happy we made it safe as well because um, I guess Stretch was going from Albuquerque to the 915 and listening to that as uh, we got started. So yes, hey, uh, going to be a lot of fun today, going to be a lot of fun tomorrow, going to be a lot of fun on Friday. Already uh, coming up on the show today, uh, we've got Warren Sharp, we've got Ken Flagel, we've got uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and Sky Moore, and a lot of surprises. A lot of guests that are going to just surprise us during the course of the show today. So we'll do that right after we uh, say hello to Charlie One. Got our first traffic update, 18 past. Good to have you on Sports Talk at 600 ESPN El Paso. Continue live from Radio Row here at Super Bowl 57, our Rise Federal Credit Union broadcast location, Uh, along with Adrian Broaddus. I'm Steve Kaplow. It's super excited about having our next guest with us on the show. He's a man that uh, spent uh, many years in the NFL, um, primarily with the Pittsburgh Steelers and later the Seattle Seahawks. Also played with the New England Patriots on two different occasions and uh, had a chance to play in the Super Bowl as well uh, against the Cowboys. Talking about uh, former linebacker Chad Brown, who now is a a broadcaster. What do you know? Radio Row, he's a broadcaster. uh, (laughs) Yeah, he does uh, sports radio in Denver. He's also doing college uh, games and works uh, for the NFL uh, as well. Compass Media Networks, Pac-12 Network, what ESPN3, Westwood One, uh what am i missing here chad come on now you tell me you did
3: a good job i think you ran it down well we'll we'll leave it there we don't want to bore the listeners with all the uh acronyms i work for
0: hey uh first off uh welcome to uh the show great to have you and congratulations on making the transition from the field to really uh, behind the mic because it's not easy, a lot of tried, not everybody succeeds at that, and for you to do a dual role as uh, analyst for a game as well as uh, a radio host, uh, that means a lot, so congrats on that.
3: Well, I appreciate that. In some ways, I've tried to model my broadcasting, I won't call it a career, my broadcasting forays uh, off of my linebacker play. At some point, I played every linebacker position that was possible to play, inside, outside, I had my hand in the dirt, I stood up, I played Mike, I played Jack, I played Will, I played Sam, I played Buck. I can be on an analyst show, I can be on a panel, I can be the co-host, I can host, I can do yep. radio, I can do TV, I can do sideline, and I can call a game in the booth. So uh, the more you can do, the more they let you do, as I found out in my NFL career. It's
0: been the story of my radio career forever, <laughs> so I understand that very well. Um, a lot going on. I even know where to start. Let's start here, which is where we are, because we've got uh, a big game coming up now in just a matter of days. Uh, Chiefs and Eagles, two terrific football teams. As we've mentioned all along, these were the number one seeds. These were the home teams that had home field throughout the playoffs. And, you know, you don't always see this. A lot of the times the number one seed gets bumped off at some point. This time they're both here going to be uh, playing for a ring.
3: So, I think in the NFL there's such a thin margin between being on the razor's edge of sharpness And beginning to decline. And both these teams had some stumbles during the season, but they managed to finish strong. So not on the decline. It's not like they're holding on. Can we keep it together through the playoff run? They're actually playing good football. It's going to be a great game. I thought all four of the championship teams in championship weekend would make for a great game. Of course, the injury to Brock Purdy pretty much ended San Francisco's chances. Uh, But uh, we're going to be blessed with two good teams out there, and I think it's going to be a very compelling game.
0: 27 years ago, you were a part of this yes. uh, as a player. What do you recall about what this experience this week was like then when the Steelers were getting ready to meet the Cowboys?
3: Uh, there was far less attention than what there is now. Uh, media day or opening night, as, as it's now called, was not the circus that it is. It was a bunch of football beat riders showed up and asked football questions. There were no celebrities or TikTok people. Heck, TikTok yeah. wasn't invented. There was no women with very little clothing on. There was none of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh it was about the football. Um I wish we would have found a way to win the game. Uh each time someone brings it up, it still hurts me in my heart. Uh, I was lucky enough to win thirty two games in a row in high school. I won a national championship at the University of Colorado. So when I get my opportunity to be in the Super Bowl, why would I expect anything other than success? Uh, watched the Cowboys under the confetti cannons, and I vowed to be back. It took me until uh, ten years later to be on a Super Bowl team again with the Patriots, and, of course, we lost that to the Giants, the perfect season that didn't end so perfectly.
0: That's true. Meanwhile, you were part of, early in your career, uh, incredible players. LaVon Kirkland was on that Pittsburgh team. Greg Lloyd, to me, one of the best defensive players of that generation, was terrorizing that unit along with yourself coming on and and being a part of such a, a talented, talented group.
3: Uh, i consider myself to be lucky in many ways but to be drafted by the pittsburgh steelers and to go into that linebacker room coached by marvin lewis who goes on to become a longtime coach with the cincinnati Bengals. i'm joined next to lavon kirkland whose name you just mentioned two young guys yeah. but we're in the room with greg lloyd and kevin green kevin green was you know a, such a technician and greg lloyd for about five years until he was injured at the end his career the baddest man in football, Agreed. a 5th degree taekwondo black belt, had the shirt that said, I wasn't hired for my disposition. I mean, he was a bad dude. He vowed to hurt quarterbacks and then went out and hurt quarterbacks. So I learned to play NFL football from those guys. And uh, I don't know if I play 15 years without that education I got in that linebacker room.
1: You talk about some of the great minds that you got a chance to learn from, be a part of, and you know, rally around. Uh, toward the end of your career, you're with the Patriots. What was it like being a part of that room right there? When we're talking about Bill Belichick and some of the greatest minds to, t- to talk about in football.
3: Well, before I get into Bill, I'll go, just go into that linebacker room. Right. So my last year, year 15 for me in the NFL, 2007, I sit next. I share a table with Junior Seau. So there's, I'm in year 15, I think he was in year 18 at that point, so there's 30 plus years of linebacking experience. Any linebacker in the room who was in 10 years more uh, more in their career, Bill bought them a rocking chair for the meeting. So we would sit in our meetings in our in our rocking chair, so I'm next to... To Junior Seau. Well, there's Teddy Bruschi. There's Mike Vrabel. There's Don Davis. There's Roosevelt Colvin. So all these 10-year-plus guys may have been the most experienced linebacker core in NFL history. Sometimes Matt Patricia would slide out of the room and Bill Belichick would coach us for the day. And not only would he coach us, he would coach us using old Giants tape. So there's greatness in the room, there's greatness coaching, and we're watching greatness on tape. I'm not sure if there's a better linebacker experience than that. And that kind of encapsulated my my entire time with the Patriots. It was the best football experience I had. It wasn't the most fun. It was stressful. It was high-level accountability. It was a lot going on, a lot of demands on you. But it was the best football experience I ever had. I learned more about football in year 13 of my career. That was my first year with the Patriots uh, than I did in the previous 12 years combined, about the details and nuances between playing football and winning football.
1: Do you have a good Bill Belichick story?
3: Oh, wow. There's just so many of them. <laughs>
1: Hard to put you on the spot.
3: i I'll, I'll, I'll give you one right here. Okay, so year 15. I knew that I was going to be on the back of the roster. Uh, I had a chance to go to other teams and play a more significant role, but I wanted to be on that team because I knew it was going to be special. Um, But in that process, I knew I may be kind of on and off the roster a few times. Uh, Bill is always just so focused on the football reasons for things. So the third time I get released that year, we have lost all formality to this process. He catches me in the dining hall. He's got a Gatorade cup full of grapes. And in between bites of grapes, he tells me they're going to have to release me. And it's for football reasons. We need more speed on special teams, this, that, and the other. Uh, You know, you've done a tremendous job for us. So it's no diss to you, Chad. We just need something different. And I walked away, and the personal feelings were upset. But at the same time, I understood the football reasons. And, And I can't think of another situation where I could be released from a football team where I could go, you know what? You're kind of right. You know, I, I didn't suck, but I, I can't. I'm thirty. I'm thirty-seven years old. I can't run down on kickoff like I like these, these twenty-three-year-old guys. So, uh, even in the prospect of getting released, there was still a high level of respect because I understood the football reasons behind it.
0: Chad Brown, with us uh, here on Sports Talk, as we continue. Interestingly enough, uh, you told a great story about Bill Belichick. Is he as misunderstood as anybody? Because all we get. Is the press conference Bill Belichick, the guy that what you see to the media, but because you saw the coach, the human being, the personal uh, side of Belichick, I almost feel like there 's two different individuals there
3: there is, and that is a performance that he puts on for the media the uh, you know shortness with the media, the you know looking at them like they 've asked a dumb question that is all a performance just to make sure the media extracts as little information from him as possible versus the Bill Belichick behind the scenes who's funny, who's incredibly witty. Uh, you, as you would guess, there's probably a high level of sarcasm with Bill, uh, who's got a great understanding of uh, military history, brings that into the meeting room, who expects things to be done at such a high level. Uh, in year 15, the rookie class has to do a rookie show every year, but that they weren't doing a very good job being funny. So he made them continue to come in an hour earlier every week until they could put together a funny enough rookie skit to make all the veterans laugh. So even in the humor of football, the attempts to be funny in football, he took it seriously because it was important to winning.
0: What was it like uh, getting a chance to play with Tom Brady, who just announced his retirement for the second time? But as most of us believe, this will probably
3: be it. Uh, Well, Brett Favre came back a number of times. That's true. And and Tom was not super definitive in his statement. So I think there's still a little wiggle room there. I expect him to be retired, but there's still a little bit of wiggle room. But playing with Tom Brady was amazing. And I always tell this story about Tom Brady. Tom Brady was the best big-name teammate I ever had played with Dermani Dawson and uh, Kevin Green and Rod Woodson and uh, Walter Jones and John Randall, all great guys, all great teammates. But Tom was the best because the bottom five guys in that Patriots roster are turning over all the time. Bill's always looking for a way to improve that roster. So almost every week there's a new person in the room. The first person who would go over and shake that guy's hand would be Tom Brady. And it sounds incredibly corny, but he would say, hey, I'm Tom Brady. You got any questions around here, come ask me. I'll steer you in the right direction. Well, that new player walks into the team meeting room. Who's sitting in the front row? Tom Brady. That player walks into the weight room. Who's got sweat flying everywhere? Tom Brady. That player goes on the practice field, and at the end of practice, we're conditioning who's yearning and striving to be first. It's Tom Brady. Uh, So that guy set the tone for the entire organization and made that new player in that locker room feel incredibly comfortable, kind of breaking down those barriers. And it speaks to Tom's overall desire to win because Tom recognized you may be the 53rd player on this roster. You may be the 45th guy active on game day, but you're going to have a role. You can help us win. I got to make you feel comfortable so we can be more successful.
1: You know, it's so interesting uh, when we're when we're talking to you. We, we also talked off air a little bit about what you all are talking about in Denver on the broadcasting side of things. One of the biggest stories that we like to follow, since we you know where we follow Pac-12 schools, we're uh, uh, the affiliate and the home of the Sun Bowl. Uh, we like to talk about Colorado sometimes. And Prime Coach Prime Dion Sanders has been a huge topic. What's it been like, just kind of being in the presence of him and and just uh, hearing everybody get excited about him?
3: There is just so much. Excitement excitement and optimism around the program that hasn't been there in two decades. Uh, I was looking at the, the Colorado Buffaloes, even as a former buff, and the Pac-12 as kind of a dying thing. They were going to kind of wither away. Uh, the Buffaloes were hamstrung by a transfer rule that wouldn't allow kids to transfer in. They didn't have enough money to pay a, a coach at the, you know near the major college standards, couldn't pay their assistants either. Well, Rick George, the athletic director, gets it all together he's able to get the transfer rule amended gets a salary floor raised for coach prime and for the uh, assistants there and suddenly within eight weeks an eight-week window maybe the greatest roster turnaround in college football history 40-plus new kids on campus, high school recruits and in, in, uh, college transfers. They're expecting to do the same thing next year. But as Coach Prime has said, we ain't done this year. So they're looking for kids who may be uh, disillusioned after spring ball, uh, guys who maybe feel like they're not getting the proper chance after whatever school they're at. So the roster change is going to continue to turn, and it's going to be exciting times for Colorado Buffalo fans. I'm expecting to go from one win last year to at least a bowl game this year. And then at, at the second year, competing for a Pac-12 championship.
1: How crazy is it that NIL has so much influence now on college football? And uh, I guess it's a two-part question, how, how much would you have gotten as an NIL for an <laughs> NIL back in Colorado?
3: Well, I think we're seeing some of the facade behind some of this. The, the, the right. kid who signed with Florida was going to get $13 million. I know he got $9 million offer from Miami, and it turns out he's not going to get anything near that. So None of these kids are making, you know, even rookie NFL dollars uh, in the end. Uh, But it's a a crazy thing that there are kids committing to a college campus without ever having visited the campus. They are reviewing the NIL offers to make their decision. Now, it's a small percentage of kids, but it just goes to show the influence of that. Now, there is not a built-in roster base or booster base in Boulder. So Coach Prime is getting this done through social media, getting these kids' follows and likes and all those things that kids like because I don't think there's enough big-money boosters in Boulder to do what Tennessee has, where there's a $30 million collective together or anything like that.
0: You are a three-time Pro Bowl linebacker. What would it have been like if I would have told you, Congratulations, Chad, you made the Pro Bowl. Oh, yeah, by the way, we're going to go to a flag football format.
3: <laughs> the football player in me would be crushed by that. I played in Pro Bowls, and it was an actual game. And guys actually competed because I'm not sure if the fans know the winning team gets double the salary that the losing team gets. So you want to fly your family over to Hawaii, your mom, your dad, your in-laws, a couple siblings, maybe your high school coach. Well, every time somebody sits down for dinner or breakfast in Hawaii, it's 100 bucks per person. So by the time the week's done, you're looking at this hotel bill. And you're like, we got to find a way to win this game because I got to pay for all this stuff. Today's players make so much money; it's that kind of. There's not that that kind of incentive that I had to go out there and play hard. Um, and the possibility of being injured versus the money that they make, it's out of balance. So they had to change the format. When they tried to play a Pro Bowl game the last couple years, it didn't even resemble football. So Roger Goodell was right to turn into a flag football game because what we saw out there the last five years didn't resemble an NFL game. Did
0: you like what you saw this weekend?
3: Um, I think it's a step in the right direction. Uh, what kid who played football didn't run through the house and throw a ball in the air and dive onto their bed and to the couch. So the, the, the greatest catch competition – spoke to the, the inner 8-year-old inside of me because I used to drive my mom crazy. You're going to break the couch. You're going to break your bed. i got to work on my catches, Mom. i got to you know, be able to spin around and flip in the air and catch this ball. So uh, I think they're tapping into something. I'm not sure if it's perfected just yet, but they're tapping into something good.
0: Chad, Adrian just asked you about what it's like with Prime right now at the University of Colorado. What about with the Broncos right now and Sean Payton? What's the vibe you're getting? As uh, you, you host the show on 104.3 The Fan.
3: Well, it's awesome that the Buffaloes and the Broncos got the two biggest name coaches in the hiring cycle. So there's an enthusiasm about football in co- Colorado that hasn't been there for a bit. Now, the Sean Payton hire is obviously the best hire to move Russell Wilson forward. Dan Quinn, D'Amico Ryans, Jim Harbaugh. I don't think any of those guys could have the amount of direct influence upon Russell Wilson that Sean Payton will. But... Bronco fans are a little bit cautious, a little bit tempered with their excitement because we got all excited about Russell Wilson and Daniel Hackett. True. And that didn't go so well. So while we expect Sean Payton to be successful, I think we don't want to get burned again. So, yeah, we're looking forward to it. We expect things to be better. But uh, just in case not, I'm not going to get too excited just yet.
1: Pro bowler, sportscaster, business owner. Let's talk a little bit about your business, Pro Exotics, and where your passion for uh, pro, you know uh, selling these snakes came from.
3: Uh, I grew up uh, in the on the hillsides in Southern California. So I could go in my backyard and catch lizards and snakes and frogs and all that stuff. Uh, my mom said no reptiles in the house. So it wasn't until I became a freshman at the University of Colorado I got my first snake. I met a guy at a local pet store and he was breeding reptiles in a spare bedroom. And as a scholarship athlete, not gonna have a job during the season. And mom and dad couldn't give me much money. So I thought this will be cool. I'll pair up these reptiles that I'm into and I'll produce some babies. And I'll sell them to kids on campus. I'll sell them to local pet stores. And that's what wow. I did every year, every year when I was at the University of Colorado. So a little bit of an entrepreneurial spirit there. I got into the NFL. I got some money in my pocket. I built a business, Pro-Exotics Reptiles. We grew into the one of the largest producers of reptiles on the planet, producing several thousand baby reptiles every single year. Uh, late 2011, unfortunately, I had a fire at the reptile facility, but about a year before, I started Ship Your Reptiles. So now at this point, I'm no longer a commercial reptile breeder. I do have some animals that I work with that are part of my personal collection that are a lot of fun to work with, but I don't do that commercially. I help other businesses and hobbyists ship their animals around the country. So we do the person who's going to ship out 50 packages today. Yeah. We also help the military mom who needs to get little Timmy's turtle from Tennessee to Texas. We help her out as well. So it's a very fun business. We do uh, typically somewhere between 1,000 and 2,000 reptile shipments every single week. I've been with FedEx for over 12 years now. It's a tremendous company. We have a lot of fun. We've also developed an offshoot of this off of the reptile thing. We have Ship Your Aquatics as well for folks who are into fish, koi, corals, aquatic plants, things like that. So uh, I'm still deeply involved in the animal trade, but just not a commercial breeder anymore.
0: Have you ever thought of opening your own animal wildlife retreat or something like that that could kind of play to
3: your passion? You know, uh, I've got a tremendous feel for the animals, speaking humbly. Um, But as I found when I had my reptile uh, breeding company, not all my staff does. And it becomes an anchor around the animals. They eat every day. They poop every day. Um, And uh, it was a Christmas day. When I went into the facility to look for some females that were going to lay eggs, I had some eggs to hatch, and I thought, this has become a bit of an anchor around my neck that I'm never going to be be able to break free from, and I want to do some other things in life. So that fire, while it was completely unfortunate, Kind of allowed me to shift focus and do some of the broadcasting things that I do now. I, like I said, I still enjoy the animal space. I enjoy helping other animal hobbyists shipping their animals, but I don't have a desire to be fully immersed in animals 24 hours a day anymore.
0: Longtime linebacker uh, Chad Brown with us. All right, you've been terrific. Before I let you go, who's going to win Sunday? Who do we like?
3: Ah, wow. This is a tough one. Uh, I see it's been a very close game. Philadelphia being built on the offense and defensive lines. Uh, I think that gives them a, the advantage in this game. Patrick Mahomes is absolutely a magician, but that Philadelphia defensive line led the league in sacks. Philadelphia's offensive line, they took the 49ers defense, which was number one in football, the number one rushing defense in football, and they knocked those dudes off the line of scrimmage repeatedly. So if they're able to run the ball effectively in the first quarter and a half, uh, then that's going to have Steve Spagnolo and that Kansas City Chiefs defense bring another guy into the box. That opens up the play-action pass. This Chiefs defense gave up the most touchdown passes of any defense last year through the air. So those factors there make me think Philly runs the ball, Spagnola brings a guy in the box, they get A.J. Brown isolated on one of those defensive backs for the Chiefs, over the top, big touchdown pass. That will be the difference in a close game. Probably 27-24, something like that.
0: Should be a lot of fun. Chad, thanks so much for joining us today. We appreciate it. Thanks
3: for having me on, guys. Always a good time.
0: You got it, Chad Brown, as we continue here on Sports Talk. 43 pass, we'll wrap-up our one of three next. 600 ESPN El Paso. Back here on Sports Talk as we continue live from Radio Rose, Super Bowl 57. Really excited about our next guest joining us. Uh, he is a man that... Uh, Had so many uh, terrific, terrific uh, opportunities to uh, dominate on the field at all levels. He is the president of the NFL Alumni Association. Bart Oates uh, joins us on the show. First off, welcome aboard. Bart, great to have you, and thanks for being here. How are you doing?
4: Great to be here. Thank you for uh, having me on, guys.
0: So, Bart, you've got a connection with El Paso and UTEP. I do. You great. played for BYU and, uh, again, uh, had some, some <laughs> back, big performance
4: Back in the the WAC days. That's right. Western That's Athletic right. Conference. Even before that, so I grew up in Georgia. My parents were from Arizona, and so every other summer we would drive across Texas right, through Alabama, uh, Mississippi, Louisiana, Texas, and, and get to El Paso. And my uncle, I remember fond memories, my uncle lived. My uncle Ron lived in El Paso, cowboy. And we would st- always stop and have, spend a couple of days in El Paso with Uncle Ron, going over to Tijuana, <laughs> a lot of great memories. So um, that, w- that was before I played with BYU and had the opportunity to play uh, against UTEP a couple of times in football.
0: Yeah, the scores were uh, not uh, something we want to really mention right now for El Paso. Not for El Paso, maybe. No, but for you it was great.
4: Listen, who's... You know what? What's eighty points on you know, amongst friends?
0: <laughs> that's 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 exactly um, eighty
4: some odd points anyway.
0: It's crazy. Uh, after BYU, you go to the USFL. You have a ton of success there, and then you go to the Giants, and you're part of that great group with Parcells and Sims. You you win a couple rings, and um, I don't know. I mean, you tell me. What was it like just being? Um, successful at the pro level going from, you know, winning the USFL title twice to then having uh, three Super Bowl rings uh, with the Giants and the 49ers?
4: I, I don't know. I mean, that's, you know, that's – I don't know what the other side feels like. So I, I can't <laughs> – right. all I can tell you is what, it, what it's like to, you know. No, you know, listen, I was – I'm blessed. I, I admit it. I'm a guy that – I didn't get drafted in the NFL. I went, I went to the USFL because I wasn't going to be a high draft pick. I was going to get lost in the NFL – and so I got a chance to go to the USFL, get a guaranteed contract by the owner for three years. And so I knew that I was going to finish my undergraduate, and I, was going to, I had my, my graduate work. I was going to law school, and I, that was paid for just with that one contract. So I'm thinking, I come out of law school, get a law degree, and no debt. I go, that's awesome. Now, you know, I just happened to get a little bit better each step of the way. Um, I came out of, out of BYU. I was a great not, not to be boastful, but I was really a great pass blocker. But I was a horrible run blocker. Could, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't move a fly probably. But going to the USFL, we were a running team. We had Kelvin Bryant. We ran the ball. It was Jim Mora. I mean, tough nose. I mean, made Bill Parcells look easy. And and so, you know, I, I go there and it forces me to become a better run blocker, a better all around player. And that's why when it, three years of that, I'm ready to go into the USFL. And it, you know, so like I said, it was just a fortune. I went to a place where they were desperate for that position. That's all they needed. They needed. They had all these other positions filled. Great defense. They got all these. They needed a center. And so I came in. I was able to fill it, you know, competently. I, I wasn't like a superstar, but I was a competent guy. And the thing I did do is I showed up. I never missed a game. I never missed a practice. I showed up to work. And you know, ultimately, those things after, you know, go figure. After, you know. 14 years professional ball, there's, you know, like you said, there was Super Bowls and Pro Bowls and, uh, you know, wind up having a decent career.
0: Uh, you should be a Hall of Famer. Given <laughs> no, what no, you no, were no. able to do, <laughs> absolutely. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I am.
4: I am. I'm in the Albany, Georgia Sports Hall of Fame. So. <laughs>
0: hey, right. hey, hey, hey,
4: hey, no laughing over here. No, that's ridiculous. On,
0: Five Pro Bowls, three rings. You Really, you had a terrific career. And people have to realize also longevity on the offensive line, especially in, in the 80s and early 90s, was not an easy thing. You played 10-plus years. That's hard to do in the pros.
4: No, I had 14 years in. And in three of those USFL years were like, those are 21-game years. So I had a lot of football Man. game. There was in three in a little over three years. I had five seasons. Yeah. So it was. I remember my last game. My it was my first year with the Giants. It was my fifth season. Just a little over three years, and and I'm I'm finishing up. And we play our last game against Chicago in Chicago January, early January. I think January third. They beat us twenty-one nothing. And I, all I could think about. I, mean, I sat there. I remember sitting in the locker room going. I was almost glad we lost because i wouldn't I wouldn't have been able to play another game I was just I might mean, would have but I was so freaking beat up, and uh, it was like okay i'm done i I need like a full six months off doing nothing and get my body you know after, after that you know that's it's a physical game, and so five seasons and three a little over three years is was a lot.
1: When you look at what we're seeing right now with leagues like the XFL coming in, you've got uh, arena football as it is right now. No one understands how, back in the '80s, the USFL was almost on the same level as the NFL. What, where, how would you kind of Listen, assess that? It,
4: there were some, you know, there were football guys. Guys like Carl Peterson was our GM. Within we went on had a long, long career with the uh, successful career. With Kansas City chiefs and, and others like that, they were football guys. They went and got football guys. was this was a, a well thought out concept. They, they had backers financially, particularly the first year. They wound up making a few mistakes, getting some of the next right. tier of ownership in uh, that hurt that ultimate vision. but that was a league that would have stayed. I, I would have stayed there. I, I had no i didn't have to be in the in the NFL that wasn't like something i got a, I'm thinking I had a great, we had a great team. We had i I loved being in Philadelphia. I loved what you know the team and and uh what we were accomplishing, and so I would have stayed I, even if even if they had gone out and I'd had opportunity to go to one or the other, I would have stayed in the USFL as it was you know they decided to fold and try to get you know the whole thing with with Trump and Oldenburg from uh, the l a express and you know just it it messed with that initial right that that initial plan and they would have they would have been successful the league would be, would have been in there today. It would be playing today and and be very success. Spring is an awesome time to play football. I mean, it, it's a lot better to play than starting in August. Right. I mean, who, yeah. who who wants to go to camp, double day sessions? Although today they don't really do much. But who wants to go to camp and do double day sessions um, in August? We went to Florida. We were like a baseball team. We went to Florida in February. Hung out hung out in Deland, Florida. We stayed in we stayed in hotels, not in dormitories. I mean, I remember going to my first camp at, with with the Giants, going, this sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I, go, I was sitting in an empty dorm, and you know, I've got in you know, a dorm room with lousy beds, and oh. as opposed to, I've spent three years in a, it was a hotel, I had my own room with my own bathroom, and you know, it's like this. That was, it was much nicer facilities, and. And hanging out with it than what we were doing with the Giants. Man. Bart, I
0: wish we had more time this hour. We'd love to spend it with you. Do me a favor. Let's come back, and after this week, I want to talk to you about the NFL alumni. So let's do that, and next time we get to chat, cool. we'll talk all about the alumni. Let's do it, man. Awesome. Bart Oates, folks, joining us here. Hour number one coming to a close. We'll come back. Hour two next as Sports Talk continues live from Radio Row, Super Bowl 57, 600 ESPN El Paso. And welcome back to Sports Talk as we continue from Radio Row here in Phoenix at the Phoenix Convention Center. Adrian, super excited about our next guest because when it gets to football and analytics, it doesn't get much better than uh, Warren Sharp.
1: That's right. You can check out sharpfootballanalysis.com one of the primers that you need before Super Bowl 57 when it comes to Eagles and Chiefs. We're so excited to have Warren on with us here to talk about this big game. Warren, thanks again.
0: Thanks for having me, guys. Well, for us, just seeing everybody here, you've been through this before, um, the festivities and, and really the pageantry, every media outlet's here. But more than anything else, I think fans are excited because in a couple of days, we'll get the final game of the football season. And the two best teams that had home field advantage throughout the playoffs will finally get a chance to meet.
5: I think both of these teams deserve to be here. We've been talking about both of these teams for weeks now because of how strongly they started out the season. They're both favored to be here for a while. So we've been looking at them in awe as how elite they are. But I do think that each of them have some things, now that we've had two weeks to start to analyze and break this down, that are weaknesses that I do think each opponent might be able to exploit a little bit. And it's going to be interesting to see if they actually exploit all of those deficiencies.
0: If they do, we're going to have a really compelling game on both sides of the ball. I'm curious, when you talk about weaknesses in these two teams, really comparing them, which of the two, in your opinion, has more deficiencies? Well, I think it's obviously the Chiefs. That being said,
5: I entered this game feeling a lot stronger about the Philadelphia Eagles' defense, and when I really started diving into it, a lot of things stood out that I think that the Chiefs' offense might be, be might be able to take advantage of. And quite honestly, One of the bigger surprising elements to me in this game was I came away in my research being more in awe of that Chiefs offense and how Patrick Mahomes has played this year than I expected to. They are the only unit, when we talk about offense, defense, both teams, that have actually been tested against a strong caliber of opponent, and their production and performance has carried beyond the difficult defenses they've played and the way that Mahomes is playing this game this season is just so different than the way that he's played last year the year before it's it's addition by subtraction as crazy as it sounds losing Tyree Hill this offense is actually more efficient it's wild to think that but it is true that was
0: the question I was going to say nobody saw this coming I know they've added vets like Marquez uh, you know MVS, and also um, Juju Smith-Schuster but at the same time I don't think people realize that they would not only not miss a beat but improve on that
5: yeah they have and it's because Mahomes and Andy Reid have changed up the way that they play they are not the deep strike offense that they once used to be in fact Patrick Mahomes is throwing his passes one to nine air yards at the ninth highest rate of any quarterback in the league they used to be like top five at throwing passes 20 plus yards down the field now they are throwing a lot shorter which is actually going to help them significantly against the Eagles because the Eagles defense ranks number one defending passes that are thrown 10 plus yards down the field but only league average defending passes that are thrown one to nine air yards and I think that Mahomes in the style of this offense is going to be able to take advantage of that especially if he's able to get rid of the ball quickly which he has been doing more of than he did in the past and I think with the ankle injury it's more incumbent that he throws the ball quicker this game considering the strong Eagles pass rush but the Eagles have been very weak and by very I literally mean one of the bottom five defenses when quarterbacks throw the ball between one and a half and two and a half seconds. The quick pass quarterbacks have had a lot of success against uh, this defense but if you look at the Eagles schedule they haven't played quarterbacks who actually sit there and deliver the ball quickly. They've played a lot of quarterbacks who are lower tier quarterbacks. They tend to hold on the ball. They don't make their reads very quickly and so it's really going to be a massive change of pace for the Philadelphia Eagles defense going up against a passing offense like this one
0: you kind of just described Dak Prescott in a nutshell didn't you
5: yeah Dak holds on to the football a little bit longer and I think uh this offense Dak had a lot of success against this defense though when he played them for the one game that he was there so um I think this is definitely going to be a change of pace though
1: you know what's really interesting is when you look at the Eagles and what they were able to do against both the Giants and uh, you look at what they did against the 49ers, is they got up early in the in those games and they started off fast. What do you kind of feel, what's your feel like between the Chiefs and the Eagles as far as starting off fast or a little bit slower, maybe a little tighter this time around?
5: Well, Super Bowls tend to start off a little bit slower than average. That's why a lot of people bet no score in the first six and a half minutes, no score in the first five minutes, etc. I do believe that we are going to see points in the Super Bowl. Maybe they come in the second quarter as opposed to the first. We'll have to see. But more than many Super Bowls, it's incumbent upon the Philadelphia Eagles to start this game out quickly. Here's why. Jalen Hurts has played just 25 dropbacks in the second half when he's been trailing in a game this year. That is one of the lowest rates of any quarterback in the league this season. Of 47 quarterbacks that have completed at least 100 passes this year, he ranks 47 out of 47 in EPA per attempt when he is trailing in the second half of games. Whereas Patrick Mahomes is built for this. The Kansas City Chiefs offense is built for this. They have one of the higher pass rates in the second half of games, even when they're leading. The Philadelphia Eagles, when they're up in the second half, they go into a total run shell. Like They turtle up and they run the football. Jalen Hurts does not have, even when they've been leading, a lot of pass attempts in the fourth quarter. He's really been asked, Jalen Hurts, when is this game in the first half? Be very efficient early on, and then you'll come back and, have, and we'll be able to just run the football after that. That is one of the big issues that I have with the Philadelphia Eagles in this one. If they get down early, and is Jalen Hurts trying to bring them back? I don't have confidence. But on the other side, Eagles up 7 at half, 10 at half. I'm fine if I'm Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs because I think they'll be able to come back.
0: Warren Sharp joining us on Sports Talk from Radio Row here in Phoenix we got to bring up the backup quarterback situation because after what happened in San Francisco, there's always the possibility one of these two goes down in the game, and then you're dealt with Gardner Minshew or Chad Henney trying to win a ring. As you look at those two quarterbacks and kind of put them in a situation like this, who gets the advantage?
5: I think for me the advantage goes to Chad Henney because of his coach, and I trust the way that Andy Reid would manage the game better for Chad Henney. Not that Nick Sirianni is, you know, somebody that you don't have confidence in, but I just trust the operation for the Chiefs with the backup quarterback more than I would Gardner Minshew and that Philadelphia Eagles offense.
1: When it comes to this team's running game, I'm talking about the Eagles specifically, how do you like that matchup versus that Kansas City defense when it comes to the run? I think the Eagles are going to have a ton of success.
5: I mean, they are built to deal with the front that the Chiefs have. I think the, the their offensive line is going to be able to move those guys around a little bit. They made that San Francisco 49ers defensive front, which was the toughest they played this year, look really silly in the second half of games at points. And I think that they're gonna have a lot of success running the ball early and often. The other thing that I think is very interesting about this one is that the Kansas City Chiefs pass defense improved substantially down the stretch in the second half of the year. And one of the ways that they did that is because they played with lighter boxes. And they play with lighter boxes, less than seven defenders in the box at one of the higher rates in the NFL. How is that going to work against the Philadelphia Eagles in the way that they run the football? Um, I think one of the ways that they've been able to get away with that for the Chiefs is because they build leads themselves and they force other teams to throw the ball on them. But if the Eagles are sitting there, and they will run the football in the first quarter, the second quarter, the third quarter, and the fourth quarter, all game long, even if they're down by a touchdown, I'm worried that that style and that philosophy that they've been playing with down the stretch of lighter boxes is not going to work. They're going to have to bring somebody down. That's going to make this secondary a little bit weaker and more vulnerable.
0: As you've evaluated Jalen Hurts, Warren... When you look at him as a quarterback, I guess some of the doubt we had going into this season was we hadn't seen enough of him to know if he was capable of delivering the Eagles to a game like this. We saw flashes, but this year, now more than ever, you realize that Jalen Hurts is a franchise quarterback in Philadelphia and is capable of possibly doing this years down the road if he has the right ingredients. And, and it looks like right now that's the case.
5: It does look like that's the case. I think he's blossomed like the Eagles really hoped that they that he would but probably weren't convinced initially that he could be this guy it's a it's a win-win for everybody including us as we watch the game because it is awesome to watch young quarterbacks actually play to what we had in terms of high expectations of them and meet the ceiling in terms of performance. He's done a great job so far in his career, the leadership that he's brought, the execution. I just wish his shoulder was a little bit healthier because I don't know that we're gonna see 100% Jalen Hurts in this game, but it's been amazing watching his season. Where
0: do you have him rated right now as far as quarterbacks in the league?
5: It's really hard for me to, like, move away from, like, what the pure analytics say, the pure numbers. I don't like to – I haven't really sat back and evaluated this season enough. I move week to week to week. So you, you're better off asking me, bring me back on after my book is written this summer and we're selling it at Shark Football Analysis, and then I'll be able to tell you kind of where I have Hertz ranked in the, in the whole uh, top to bottom of the league.
1: Speaking of sharp football analysis, you have your Super Bowl 57 report uh, coming out this weekend. Tell us, a little, tell our listeners a little bit about it, what they can expect when they go up on your website.
5: I think what you're going to get is a different way of analyzing the game using different metrics than anybody else has really shared with you previously. You're going to find different things to be watching for when you watch the game. And, of course, A lot of plus EV bets, I think, that they're going to be able to make you some money at the end of the day. So, in addition to hopefully being uh, profitable, uh, you're going to be able to learn a lot. This is a 73-page report that I've spent the last eight, nine days putting together.
0: How about just your growth in terms of what you're doing with the site and how you've seen this take off, especially in recent years?
5: I mean. It's hard to outwork me is the bottom line. So when you put as much time and effort into it, uh, good things tend to happen. And that's exactly the benefit that, you know, has happened over at Shark Football Analysis. And uh, doing more in the media now is really definitely helping to spread kind of the eyes that are coming to the website. And we brought in a lot of great writers, a lot of great analysts who cover everything from fantasy, DFS, pure analytics, props, betting, uh, the works. And so... I'm really happy and proud of what we have up there at the site, and uh, hopefully some guys can go check it out.
0: And if people have never been there before, what's the best way to describe it to a football fan?
5: You're going to find information and insight into the game that you're not going to see elsewhere that really is kind of, um, I think, the nuts and bolts of how teams actually win games or how players should be utilized in games we try to attack this from a very different perspective Uh, i never have any of my guys write an article or cover a topic that has already been discussed elsewhere ad nauseum we're always looking for new information and new angles to attack things and so basically in a word
0: unique analysis we really enjoyed the conversation thanks for giving us a few minutes and we'll look forward to the next time we get to chat with you sounds good thanks guys enjoy the game Warren Sharp, folks, as we continue here on Sports Talk. We'll come back with more in a moment. It's 600 ESPN El Paso, live from Radio Row. Welcome back, everybody. As we continue, Sports Talk live from Radio Row, Super Bowl 57. Steve Kaplow, it's Adrian Broad is with you. We're live at our RISE Federal Credit Union broadcast location and all of our great sponsors. Thank you so much. Papa Eric's Burgers for making this possible, along with Technomark El Paso, Synergy Temperature Control, Expert HVAC and Refrigeration, the Oscar Arrieta Agency, Burger Bros, Border Pallets, Chick-fil-A Airway and Cielo Vista Mall, El Pedro Grande Tequila, New Start Homes, Mora Mia Barrio Kitchen and Drinks, and Pelicans Steak and Seafood. A long list of uh, terrific sponsors that have made this show possible. We are 90 minutes in and already so much has Gone down here at Radio Row. Still to come, Ken Flagel, outside linebackers coach at uh, with the Kansas City Chiefs. Former UTEP assistant coach uh, when Bob Stoll was uh, head coach of the Miners back in the late '80s. Not to mention um, Marquez Valdez Scantling and Sky Moore of the Kansas City Chiefs who we had a chance to talk to and catch up with earlier today.
1: Yeah, it was a great day to talk talk with people from the Kansas City Chiefs and, you know, the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, for all our fans, uh, for our listeners who are fans of the Eagles out there, uh, you know, they had their media availability right around the time we came on air, so it was a little difficult as far as timing, but we have some great stuff coming from Kansas City and that side of things. Uh, Steve, i got a little breaking news to talk to you about. We love talking expansion. Oh, yeah. Ready to talk expansion oh, real quick? Oh, yeah. Uh, Brett, yes. Our good friend Brett McMurphy. He writes that PAC-12 commissioner is visiting SMU today. San Diego State and SMU are the PAC-12's top expansion candidates. Uh, And now this is actually catching a little bit more steam because the commissioner just wrapped up his meeting with SMU, and people are thinking that this meeting went really, really well.
0: So the interesting thing as a result of what you just talked about with uh, McMurphy is that uh, with San Diego State and SMU, you lose a school from the AAC and you lose a school from the Mountain West. There's two spots that have now opened up. So the question is, who's going to get them? Uh And everybody's going to want them. Who's going to get them? But if you're also the AAC and the Mountain West, do you lose a spot and keep it that way? Or do you want to replace it?
1: Yeah, it's way easier to just uh, overlook just having to replace one school and say, well, we can wait. We can wait on this right there as a conference like the American Athletic or the Mountain West versus two if you were to lose two of those teams. So I'm very interested that SMU and San Diego State were kind of selected out of all the the names that we could be seeing. I mean, there's UNLV out there, which you can capitalize on the Las Vegas market, and they're committed to winning at a high level and spending money. Boise State, which has been rumored uh, in every single talk when it comes to conversations about expansion So I'm I'm interested that these were the two uh, teams and universities that were listed as far as expansion goes, and we know that all this is around the TV rights deal.
0: Here's what's also really interesting, okay? When we were talking earlier today to – I can't remember if it was either uh, Flagel or if um, it was also uh, possibly Dave Tobe, but one of the two of them said – UTEP needs to get into the Mountain West. And it's like, you've got guys in the NFL who were here 35 years ago saying what our listeners are saying all the time, and that is talking about, you know, UTEP uh, getting into the Mountain West Conference. Now, um, we know this. UTEP at this point is kind of in no man's land with CUSA. The conference is staying afloat, but the league is continuing to evolve, UTEP is not winning the league. That is the problem with the ultimate uh, UTEP needs to get out of this, UTEP needs to go there. If UTEP was winning and they were able to dictate where they could go, that's one thing. But when you're 500 in basketball and you're 5-7 and seven in football and you're drawing 15,000 for a football game and 3,500 or 4,000 for a basketball game, You can't suddenly say UTEP needs to be here or UTEP needs to be there. It just doesn't work like that.
1: No, it doesn't, Steve. And I would say this. There's been kind of this – this reality that every everybody, everybody kind of needs a reality check as to where the state of UTEP is right now and you know there we always talk about where it could be the upside for UTEP is always what we want what we talk about and stress about but the fact of of the matter is they are what they are at the end of the day it's uh, a men's basketball team that is uh, you know not ha- not had success here in a long time a football team that has really never had success here uh, at-, at UTEP and you know you're trying to sell a product on things where it- historically at least as of late hasn't been a lot of success and that that's hard when we're talking about jumping from conference to conference I was just laughing because George Kittle walked right past uh on the back end of it and I was just pointing over to him oh I thought how, you how were... hilarious was that yeah
0: I I, I thought you were uh, actually pointing at um uh, Darren Ravel, so that's good that you're appointing a George Kittle. I like that. That's that's good. Um, 25 past the hour as we continue here on Sports Talk. Just goes to show you once again, George Kittle, two weeks ago, was playing for a chance to be here. Now he's here just hanging around out at Radio Row. So that's, yeah. that, that's, that's kind of the, the gist of how this whole day has gone and how tomorrow and Friday will go as we get closer and closer to the big one.
1: You know, it's interesting, right, because uh, I, it seems like George Kittle came with his uh, entourage, yes. and I understand. like He's got his own podcast. He wants to promote different things, and it makes a lot of sense. Debo Samuel was out here earlier, one of his teammates. And Christian McCaffrey, instead of coming here to sell products and stuff like that, he's here with his parents. He's tagging yeah. along with them, which is so cool. Like They're doing little spots left and right, well, and he's telling everybody that he's, not, he's hoping that both teams lose, the Chiefs and the Eagles.
0: Well, first off... His dad was pretty famous. I know.
1: <laughs> I mean, Ed
0: McCaffrey, kind of like Bart Oates, yeah. teammate of Bart Oates, with the Giants during those Parcells years, and he went to Denver and had a great uh, end of his career with the Broncos and, and John Elway. You think about how fortunate he was right. to win those Super Bowl rings and, and, and play all those great years. But that's true. Um, it's it's fun, though. That's just the idea. People want the vibe of what's happening around here at Radio Row. That's exactly it. And, you know, now that you're starting to see the room empty out a little bit more, um, there are still people that are here. It's 5.30 on a Wednesday, and George Kittle is walking around Radio Row.
1: And and to give everybody kind of perspective and a good understanding as to how kind of casual this is, right, because yesterday we're here, we're trying to close up, we're, we're kind of getting ready to leave and then to the corner of our eyes, we see the Kelsey brothers uh, over there by the NFL booth, and they're recording their podcast together. They host a podcast together. Well, you got to post it every week. You can't just take weeks off if you do a show like this. Uh, so they're out there recording their podcast, and they're playing each other on Sunday. Jason Kelsey, uh, the standout center for the Philadelphia Eagles, and then, of course, Travis Kelsey, one of the best tight ends uh, in NFL history, and he's playing with the Chiefs. Yeah,
0: it's really interesting when you just start to get the idea of everybody uh, that's here right now and the magnitude of what this will be like uh, on Sunday when the crescendo uh, takes place a little after 4 o'clock and they kick off for Super Bowl 57. That's really what it's all about. Now, in the meantime, we've talked to a lot of people so far, and we're just in day one, and we're going to talk to more and more people tomorrow and Friday. And when you ask and get the vibe of how they think this game is going to go, everything is the same. Everybody believes this is going to be a terrific football game. Whether you go Chiefs or Eagles, nobody's picking blowout. Nobody thinks it's gonna be just a, you know this this lopsided game like the NFC Championship was. Quite the opposite. They think this is going to be a, a fun game that goes right down to the end. Maybe a three point game or, or, or less and you know it's a toss up right now about who which team people are
1: going with if you looked on one side of this uh, of this equation you would think well with the eagles they blew out the giants they blew out the 49ers it was those games were- awful they were they were not fun whatsoever and they were over pretty much before they even started Uh, you know of course with the exception of the 49ers losing the quarterback but you get it so to see a competitive matchup I think is something that fans are looking for they want to see kind of like the Chiefs had uh, their first two uh, playoff games go to get to this point Uh, a very competitive game against the Jaguars also a very competitive game against the Bengals that went down literally to the last second which was just a lot of fun to see
0: bottom of the hour as we continue here on sports talk um we want to tell you what the chiefs press conference was like earlier today specifically andy reed and patrick mahomes and some of our takeaways from that we'll get to that in a moment but first since it is the bottom of the hour let's get right back to adrian in this sports center update this morning we had the opportunity to uh, listen in on the big press conference, uh, which featured first Andy Reid and then Patrick Mahomes and then players and coaches. You're going to hear from Ken Flagell in just a moment, so uh, stick around for that. But first, you know, Andy Reid was getting questions like, what is your, you know, what do you put on a cheeseburger? And what's your favorite thing about that? Uh, what's your favorite type of Mexican food? I know. I mean, and and even like stuff about like, you know, coffee. It was interesting how, for the most part, Andy Reid talked very little football and was getting more about those food questions from people.
1: I guess that's the media circus, uh, like some, a lot of people are talking about here, uh, Super Bowl Radio Row Week people ask those non-traditional questions asking him his favorite rappers and like you said how he takes oh, yeah. his coffee uh he he made a comment about a chile relleno burrito and how everybody has to try one yeah i love it i mean that's that's the kind of uh extra flavor you're getting here for super bowl week now as far as actual x's and o's and what we're getting on the team eh, not much steve he's he's a well-trained professional andy reed is uh very good when it comes to media interviews like this and he didn't give anything away today
0: no he didn't but as far as Mahomes he was such a pros pro answering every question and seems like a very genuine answer every time people were asking him questions.
1: I was so impressed by him he's the best quarterback in the league best football player arguably in this in the NFL right now and he answers questions just like he plays football I mean really he, he's just uh an absolute pro when it comes to this, and he got some of those interesting questions. He He was asked, you know, what are some of the things you do on the side with some of your players and and developing those bonds, and he talked about golf and how that's a way that he's bonded with some of the players. He he talked about, uh, you know, Brandon Marshall, former NFL player, NFL standout, somebody who could be in Canton when it's all said and done. He asked or he told them that Rihanna called him the goat and then joked with him at the end of it, Uh, and he was laughing. Patrick Mahomes was uh, laughing about it, too, so just a lot of quirkiness that you find from these media press conferences with uh, stars like that.
0: And Brandon Marshall had a lot of fun with both Coach Reed and also with uh, uh, Patrick Mahomes because he was there asking those questions and firing away.
1: Yeah, Brandon Marshall does a great job with his own podcast network. I am an athlete and he's been walking around doing his rounds as well and so, yeah, I I think uh, he he definitely added some flavor but that's the kind of vibe that we're getting here. It's former players asking questions. It's people across uh, the world asking questions like we mentioned earlier from guys from Mexico people from Germany you know all those kinds of things it's so true um, all right uh, as far as Ken Flagel goes this was a lot of fun. Uh, you're going to send us to this
0: interview. What was your favorite takeaway?
1: Yeah, Steve, this was so much fun. Uh, one of my biggest takeaways right there is that they still talk about UTEP. I mean, Kansas City coaches still talk about UTEP. How cool is that?
0: Uh, it certainly is. Let's take you back earlier today. Had a chance to sit down and visit with the outside linebackers coach for the Kansas City Chiefs and former UTEP minor assistant. Here's Ken Flagel. And we're here right now with uh, another Kansas City Chiefs uh, assistant coach. He's the outside linebacker's coach, but a lot of UTEP fans will remember Ken Flagel from his days uh, with the Miners under Bob Stull in the late 80s. It's good to see you. Great to meet you for the first time. <laughs> time. All I Thank can you. tell you is uh, a lot of minor fans have some terrific memories uh, from those days in the 80s. We had a great time at, in El
6: Paso, and that was a magical time for both my family and, and for our staff there at UTEP. Um, thoroughly enjoyed the the people that we got to meet, and uh, obviously the success that we had, and a lot of it goes uh, is attributed, to, I think, to Coach Stoll. You know, Bob and I have remained friends uh, through all these years, and Bob now lives in Columbia, Missouri, and we see Bob on a on a regular basis. But um, it was a great time. We enjoyed it, and uh, a lot of good memories, a lot of good people.
0: Where did the fir- you two first meet up? Was it at UMass or was it on your way to uh, to Utah? Well, actually, I was a graduate assistant
6: at the University of Washington in 1979, and Bob was the offensive coordinator. And then after uh, my GA stint at Washington, I went to the University of Montana for six years, and then in the meantime. Eventually, Bob got the job at UMass, and then he went from UMass to UTEP, and then we were out of a job at Montana. Our staff had gotten fired, so I contacted Bob. Bob knew me, and I just was fortunate enough to get on his staff at UTEP, and from there, uh, you know, everything took off.
0: Coach Reed was on that staff. Uh, Dave Tope, who we just spoke to, was on that staff. It's interesting all these years later how Coach Reed has still kept that connection alive with with, with the two of you and, and so many others.
6: Well, I think if you know Andy, he's a very loyal individual, and I think he, he respects that. Uh, and so it was great. Yeah, we had the connection back in, in El Paso, and it just kept continuing. Now, you know, Andy and I had a separation there for a while. I went to the Green Bay Packers uh, with, with Andy when Mike Holmren was the head coach. And then Andy took the Philadelphia Eagles job, and I had a chance to go back to the Seattle Seahawks with Mike Holmgren. And I'm from Seattle originally, so I originally did that. Um, and Andy went and had a great career at Philadelphia before he ended up coming to Kansas City. Luckily for me, I was able to reconnect with him back at the Chiefs.
0: You've been doing this so many years, especially in the NFL. How has this team and this group differed from some of the other uh, you know teams and units you've been with in the past?
6: Well, I think the fact that we've had some success, you've got to speak, number one, to the leadership. You know, uh, Clark Hunt as the owner, and then, of course, Coach Reed as the as basically the CEO of our football team. But, you know, the thing that that you have to have in the NFL, which is true, I think, with every team, you got to have a great quarterback. If you've got a great quarterback, you've got a chance. And we've got a good one here. Uh, obviously, we've got some great skilled guys behind it. But, again, I give a lot of the credit to Andy and the, and the way he's assembled the staff, and then of course our GM, Brett Veach. Brett's done a nice job of bringing in talent around our quarterback.
0: You've been around great ones. What is it about Patrick Mahomes that makes him so special? You know,
6: it's interesting. Uh, When I first came here, you know, the fact that he has some baseball background in him I was uh, amazed when I went out to practice to see him complete balls at different arm angles. Now, that may not sound like it's uh, anything fancy to a lot of people, but when a baseball player throws a baseball, they may throw it sidearm, they may throw it overhand, they may throw it underhand. And that's one thing I thought, number one, that Patrick had in, in spades there is that he could throw the ball from any arm angle and be and have high velocity and accuracy then now listen then you can't discount the fact that the guy's super competitive and he's real intelligent and when you add all those things together you get somebody special
0: it's a great way to describe it now as outside linebackers coach you got to prepare for Jalen Hurts (laughs) he has had a terrific season and seems like he's another one uh, that's just a terrific mobile quarterback but also can beat you with his arm
6: well, he, he can. They've done a nice job there, and, and again, if the truth be known, I was on the Philadelphia Eagles staff three seasons ago for five years, so I know a lot of those guys that are still there. They, their coaching staff does a great job. We, we actually uh, drafted Jalen in the second round the last year I was there, and you could tell from him being with that short time that I was around him that he had something special. I mean, great competitor, smart kid hard worker. The game's very important to him. It doesn't surprise me he's had the success that he's had. At
0: the same time he's made a big jump from that rookie season to now, what's the thing you've noticed the most with his improvement?
6: Oh, I just think, you know, his ability to dissect the defense, find out what you're in, know where he wants to go with the football. I think that just comes with experience, but he'll be a guy, you know, that'll study the game. He'll study all the the nuances about your defense, and he'll know how to try to attack you, and again, that goes a little bit to his work ethic, and I think it goes a little bit to just the natural maturation that you have as a quarterback from year after year after year.
0: Your offense, you know, your outside linebacking core has also been stellar this season. What's going to be the biggest challenge trying to get past that offensive line?
6: <laughs> well, a little bit of luck, uh, Lord willing. Uh, listen, this is the best offensive front we've faced, in my opinion, this year. So. Again, we've got to play with great technique. We've got to be disciplined. We've got to not hurt ourselves with silly penalties or mental mistakes. Uh, that'll be level the playing field a little bit. I think that'll give us a, a chance to compete with these guys. But this is going to be a tough out for us. They're a good football team. They're well coached, and they've got great talent on offense. So hopefully it's going to be a great ball game, and, and, uh, and we'll take our shots when we need to.
0: Ken Flagel with us as we continue. Other than wins and losses and a chance to, to win a Super Bowl ring, what's the most gratifying part of the job for you as coach?
6: Oh, just being around the players. You know, a guy at my age, I, I enjoy the, the youth and the vitality of the of the players that we're around. We've got really a good uh, group of guys, and I'm talking about not only as, as players but as people. I really like our group here. They're high-character kids. They care. Um, you know, I'm gonna. My wife and my daughters and my all my grandkids will be out here on Friday. It'll be fun to share that experience with them. I my grandkids haven't ever been to a Super Bowl, uh, so this will be fun for them to come to that. And and uh, I'll just be I'll I'll revel in the fact that they'll get to enjoy it and uh, take it all in.
0: I would have told you 35 years ago in El Paso that you'd be in Phoenix in 2023 20 plus years as an NFL assistant working with guys that you were with at UTEP at the time competing for a Super Bowl what what would you have told him
6: well I would have said I've been very fortunate uh I I go back and I think about an old football coach I used to be around named Tom Lavotte that was our offensive line coach at the Green Bay Packers and he says you know what every day I wake up and he says, "I check the obituaries and the transactions, and if my name's not in it, it's a good day. So if my name's not in it, it's a good day." Awesome, coach. Thanks so much. You're welcome. Thank you.
0: Back on Sports Talk as we continue live uh, from Radio Row Super Bowl Fifty Seven. You know, if you are right now in the market of uh, buying or selling a home and you need that right agent to go with, let me give you a name for you: Brian Birds and his team, the Brian Birds Home Selling Team, powered by EXP Realty. And you want to know why? Results, results, and more results. Like what happened with Thomas and Letty. They had a rental property in West El Paso that they wanted to sell. So they talked to Brian. That home was listed for $188,000. And then the team and the expert marketing went to work. Multiple showings. That cash offer was received within a week. Deal closed two weeks later. So Thomas and Letty were free to spend the holidays worry-free with their family. Now remember, you got to find that sweet spot when you list your home. Not too high, or it doesn't sell, or too low, or you leave money on the table. You need Brian Birds and the Brian Birds Home Selling Team powered by eXp Realty. In fact, some homes are seen within minutes of hitting the markets, but Brian has the Coming Soon Homes program. So homes listed with him are sold within minutes because his buyers get a free head start. So call the official real estate agent of UTEP, El Paso Locomotive FC, and the Rhinos, the only agent I would call if I needed to sell my home. Visit Brian Birds online, brianbirds.com, or Google Brian. B U R D S and start packing. Forty nine past as we continue here on Sports Talk. Still to come: Marquez Valdez Scantling (MVS) and rookie Sky Moore of the Kansas City Chiefs, who uh, we had a chance to catch up with uh, earlier today, and uh, looking forward to uh, letting you listen into those conversations. Still to come later this week. Dave Tobe will join us, the uh, assistant head coach and a former UTEP strength and conditioning coach. In case you've ever wondered, by the way, that classic picture of Andy Reid from his UTEP days, wearing those short shorts. Yes. That guy next to him that nobody seemed to know who that is, that's Dave Tobe, who um, at the time was the strength and conditioning coach right out of UTEP because he played in 83 and 84. All these years later, still looks great and he is the longtime Kansas City Chiefs uh, special teams coordinator.
1: And he wanted us to know that that was his wife who took the photo. So it's like a lot yes. of – I mean, it's history in that photo where you get to see the short shorts, uh, the UTEP assistants who are now NFL uh, you know, Super Bowl champs. And now getting a chance to relive that picture with Dave, uh, that was a great, great moment earlier today. And when I showed that picture to him, he said, oh, I know this photo right away. He he, does. He knew that photo uh, like he's had it hanging on his fridge or something like that.
0: And he (laughs) met his wife Cheryl in El Paso when he first arrived. It's a a great story. Like, I mean, her family still lives in El Paso. So she's got a lot of ties there, but – Again, another great, uh, you know, the the Bob Stoll coaching tree. It's phenomenal when you start to think about it. And three former assistants or grad assistants in the case of Dave Tobe are now on that staff uh, with Andy Reid, pretty
1: impressive. Yeah, it really is impressive. I mean, Super Bowl Fifty Seven. We're here in Phoenix, Arizona. We're talking about the Kansas City Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles, but we still have members of both these teams with ties to UTep, and it's cool that we get to localize a lot of this stuff here. And uh, and you know, they are happy to actually relive a lot of these discussions with us here on on the show, which is a really um, you know impressive thing that they they still hold El Paso, still hold the UTep memories uh near and dear to their hearts that's
0: true that is true um and what i can tell you is that you know you mentioned it those memories never go away so many fond memories and those coaches want to see you they want to see utep back on the winning track they really do they left utep when it was on top they want UTEP back on top. They would, you know, a lot of those a lot of that, those places are where they got their start in the coaching world.
1: Yeah, and, and they're kind of like fans, right? They're kind of rooting for UTEP from the, the sidelines, so to speak. I, they might not necessarily follow along all the time, but they, they still understand and keep tabs on the program to where they, they want it to have success. So it's just a really cool thing all around. It's
0: so true. Also, Steve Spagnolo is on the staff for right. Andy Reid. He spent time in El Paso during spring ball and used to help Bob Stoll out at UMass in those days and in Missouri, actually. So that's how they met uh, Andy Reid. So it's a crazy story there. And, same thing. That whole connection is what you know. A lot of the times plays into these uh, assistants years later.
1: Yeah, and it's not like these are like you know low level assistants. I mean, Dave Tobe, We're talking about assistant coach, assistant head coach. Right. We're talking about Steve Spagnola, former head coach uh, in the NFL, and now one of the more respected defensive coordinators across the entire league. I, I, you're you're getting pretty much the who's who, and the rise from where they were at UTep to where they are now is is awesome to see.
0: Give me your take on this story earlier today d maurice smith had his annual uh, state of the union as the players association executive director he wants to get rid of the nfl scouting combine and instead wants to see a series of pro days that would be put on uh, all over the country because um it's in response to troy vincent who's the nfl executive vice president of football operations who compared the combine to a quote slave auction during league meetings back in December.
1: I think the NFL combine really helps players who are kind of on the fringe. Like your 6th to 7th se- round guy, does he get taken in the draft? Does he go undrafted? Why is why should you take him? Why should you not? Those are that's why the NFL scouting combine is so important you don't see the high-level guys throw anymore. You have often the high-level players say, oh, I'm not going to run the 40-yard dash. And to make it more regionalized, to uh, have more of those, you know, nationwide pro day so to speak I think that would popularize a lot of things for those and and trust the scouts trust the film it's something that's outside at at a uh, pro day in a quarterback's backyard might be a lot different than what you see in Indianapolis
0: but I agree with Smith saying that as soon as you arrive at the combine you have to waive all your medical rights and then sit there not only go through questions for the teams but then You know, you spend hours inside an MRI machine to be evaluated by 32 separate team doctors. That shouldn't be the way it is. If you have these separate pro days, hey, those guys will get drafted. They just won't have to go through the process that is so grueling for a lot of these individuals where they feel like their privacy is being uh, just completely violated by the NFL.
1: And it tanks a lot of these players stock when it comes to the draft. I'll give you two quick examples. Uh, one of them is N'Kobe Dean, who ended up being selected a lot later than a lot of people thought, and he ends up going to Philly, but he yeah. actually, uh, behind closed doors, after the fact you see from uh, the draft reporters, he ended up having some kind of health issue that popped up during the combine you sure. know that's one of those things where it hurts sometimes when it comes to players and their you know overall draft stock
0: that's true all right Chiefs fans MVS and Sky Moore still coming up in our final hour as we continue live out here Radio Rose Super Bowl 57 stay with us plenty more sports talk as we take you home in our final hour next 600 ESPN El Paso final hour of sports talk live from Radio Row Our first of three days, by the way. Tomorrow we'll do this again from 4 to 6.30. Then John Teicher will get us ready for Utah basketball tomorrow night. Miners in Charlotte. Then we're right back here doing it again 4 to 7 on Friday. Heading back to El Paso on Saturday so we can watch the game and enjoy and talk all about it on Monday's show. We're live right now at our Rise Federal Credit Union broadcast location. And of course, all of our sponsors making this possible for us Technomark El Paso, Synergy Temperature Control, Expert HVAC and Refrigeration, Papa Eric's Burgers, the Oscar Arrieta Agency, Border Pallets, Burger Bros, El Pedro Grande Tequila, Mora Mia Barrio Kitchen and Drinks, New Start Homes, Chick fil A Airway, and Cielo Vista Mall and Pelican's Steak and Seafood. Along with Adrian Broadis uh, Steve Foster, and Chris Fernandez, I'm Steve Kaplowitz. Don't forget, start your day with us at noon tomorrow and noon on Friday because the Foss and Chris are bringing Layin' Down the Law here to 600 ESPN El Paso, a very special uh, edition of that show because "Laying Down the Law usually airs Sundays on ESPN San Antonio, but because... Uh, of uh, their El Paso ties and um the fact that they're here every year they are but they're here with us for the first time now they're part of 600 ESPN El Paso that show is airing right here for you uh three days this week today which was a terrific first day tomorrow and Friday as well so a lot of great stuff with um Six hours of local sports talk from Radio Row here at the Phoenix Convention Center at uh, downtown Phoenix as we get you ready for the big one on Sunday. You know, Adrian, um, it's great. They've got plenty of coffee for us, hot tea, uh, bottled water. And I'm looking at, uh, you know, the bottled water we have. and um, I'm just thinking to myself the same thing every time. I'm like, why didn't the NFL... Call Clean Water of El Paso so that everybody could just be drinking that delicious, um, you know, osmosis uh, filtered water like we have. Why do we have to waste so many bottles of water? But that's, hey, uh, that's unfortunately... They didn't they didn't get the memo in time.
1: No, they didn't, and actually the NFL and myself, uh, we had something in common. You know, I was a big water bottle person myself, Steve, admittedly. So I would go through water bottles day by day. And I, I I went to I got to a point where I was tired of buying these cases of water bottles left and right, and when I learned about Clean Water of El Paso and their flow line system and what they're able to do with your home, I was just blown away. In fact, I brought two hydro flasks full of clean my clean water of El Paso. So here to Phoenix. I drank it probably on the way. So I can uh... <laughs> confirm that
0: considering we took the trip up to uh, here to Phoenix yesterday and I saw the hydro flasks and I saw how quickly you devoured that. Yeah,
1: And um, now we're having to lean on this bottle of water but you know what? You don't have to lean on bottled water anymore in El Paso because of Clean Water of El Paso. Just check them out online. CleanWaterOfElPaso.com They can get you started with a free water analysis and a quote and you can see why me, Steve, everybody out there trusts Clean Water of El Paso. El Paso to get rid of bad odors and uh, get rid of bad chemicals in your water. Give them a call also at 915-856-0059, cleanwaterofelpaso.com, or give them a call at 915-856-0059.
0: 606, now the time as we continue here on the show. If you want to get in, now's the time to do it. Uh, 505-6009, that is our telephone number, 505-6009. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, we'll give you a chance to listen in to both uh, MVS uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling as well as uh, Sky Moore of the Kansas City Chiefs, who we sat down with earlier today, this morning, at uh, their press conference uh, and let you enjoy that. But, hey, we've got uh, a good 20-plus minutes before then. We'd love to get your phone calls into the show, 505-6009 as we continue here on the program and uh, so many great topics to talk about. Obviously for us, this is why we're here, okay? We're here because of uh, Super Bowl 57 and uh, broadcasting live to you uh, for these three days. However, that being said, lots of other stories, making headlines. LeBron breaking Kareem. Happy Kareem was there yesterday. You know, they buried their little feud that they've had for a while now. They embraced Kareem gave the basketball ceremoniously to LeBron. LeBron, uh, you know, had the opportunity to... I didn't think it was going to happen yesterday. I thought it was going to happen tomorrow, to be honest, against Cleveland. But the fact that it took place last night against uh, OKC, uh, great for him. The Lakers are on the verge of making a big trade right now and trying to shake this team up a little bit before the deadline.
1: Yeah, it's so interesting, right, because... First off, the, you're exactly right about the points total and what we were uh, anticipating from last night's game from LeBron. And I think that there were some who thought, all right, maybe he'll chase it. Or maybe he'll go to Milwaukee. Kind of a different connection right there. Kareem played with the Bucks, Of course, he uh, was known for what he did with the Lakers. But he has some ties with Milwaukee. So people were thinking, oh, it, could it be Thursday when LeBron breaks this all-time record and uh, you know gets that 36-point mark? But he did it last night. He was gunning for it, no doubt about it, but he got to that uh, threshold early on into the contest when you kind of felt like the Lakers, A, still stood a chance to win that game, and B, he was going to break it no matter what when it came to halftime, just knowing how close he was, and I'm happy for him, I'm happy that I, I was reading stories today that the environment and the crowd uh, at crypto.com arena was excellent but what you read after the fact was very alarming because what we found out is that russell westbrook and lakers head coach darvin ham got into a verbal altercation at some point they were okay at the end they were fine and ham let westbrook finish out the game westbrook finished with 14 points in the fourth quarter but played awful down the stretch really bad um now today just tw- less than 24 hours later we're hearing the news about Russell Westbrook potentially being dealt to the Utah Jazz uh, in a three-team deal that would bring back D'Angelo Russell to the Lakers. And remember, Dilo started his career in L.A. Yep. So this is a really bizarre scenario. The Lakers miss out on Kyrie. They don't look Fred Van Vliet's way, who's definitely available right now at the trade deadline. And instead, they go for a guy like D'Angelo Russell, who where I'm just kind of scratching my head and wondering wow. why.
0: Well, maybe, number one, uh, maybe Toronto doesn't want... Russell Westbrook. So let's talk about that for a minute. Yeah, that's true. The truth is, if you're going to find a way to unload Russ to get back a guy like D'Angelo Russell, then um, you know you're going to probably pull the trigger on that. Now you look at his stats. Russell, who's 26 years old, is 22nd in the league. He's averaging six assists per game, 17.9 points, 3.1 rebounds. But with with D'Angelo Russell, you're not dealing with somebody who you know is so difficult like, like, like Westbrook. And I think if Toronto would take a guy like Westbrook, the Lakers would most likely want Fred Van Vliet. But if they're not going to get him, you have to go to plan B, which is how bad do you want to dump Russ and that salary, and if if it means getting Russell back, hey, you do what you got to do.
1: I am curious that this is the philosophy, or I'm interested that this is the philosophy that the, the Lakers are going about this because you're right. Like Toronto, easy to say you're not going to go with Russ. I mean, heck, we're we're reading reports today from ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski that Utah will buy out Russell Westbrook, making him a free agent around All Star break if this deal does indeed come into fruition. I'm curious as to why the Lakers want a guard to fix all their problems. I, I get it. They have some serious issues in the backcourt, but it doesn't stem from having somebody who can't control the ball or can't handle the ball, that kind of thing. It stems from not having shooters. Yeah. The, the Lakers don't have any kind of outside perimeter shooting to really help them uh, in these stretches of games. I mean, last night was awful. Uh, they just they don't play defense in, in the last stretch of that game against OKC. They get blown out in the fourth quarter and really, uh, you know, it's a very disappointing effort, and for D'Angelo Russell, a guy who's very inefficient when it comes to shooting.
0: I don't know. I mean, he's shooting forty-six and a half percent from the field, thirty-nine percent from three-point line.
1: I, I think those are okay numbers right there. I think that that's fine. I, I'm just worried as him being that spot-up shooter. Yeah. When, when he's the when he's the shooting option, he's more of the guy who's going to take control, kind of like a you know a ball dominant guard, like a Russell Westbrook, and that's the opposite of what you need right now. If you're the Lakers, you need a guy who's just going to shoot. From out outside and hit the threes when you need it. But here's
0: the thing, okay? Your number one option is to get rid of Westbrook. That's the number one thing. True. You don't have a lot of choices right now. First off, most teams don't want him. And if there's teams that will take him, you pretty much have to get back what they're offering. You're not exactly going to be picky and try to dictate how you're going to get a package back to get rid of a guy that everybody knows you want to unload, which means that everybody is holding the cards on trying to get, uh, you know, uh, and and give up, I guess, the, either the least or get rid of their spare parts for yours. That's just what it comes down to. So I just don't think that the Lakers are in a great position right now because Russell Westbrook in 2023 – is not Russell Westbrook of 2016, 17, or 18. It's a different guy, and everybody knows about the trouble that he brings. And ultimately, it's just... How bad do the Lakers want to get rid of him?
1: I think it's really bad at this point because of the Darvin Ham altercation, because you hear the news less than 24 hours that he's going to be dealt away from the team. there, There's obviously a rift right there. And I, and from Russell Westbrook's perspective, I get it because he was asked to do something that he's never done in his entire career, and that's deferred. I, I mean, you, you got to have sympathy for somebody at that point where he's always been the guy, always been the focal point of every team. And when he goes to the Lakers... They're telling him, all right, you're playing third banana behind LeBron James and Anthony Davis, but you still have to be efficient while you do it. And you, and you can't do that if you're Russell Westbrook. He's not a good three-point shooter. He's not a good passer. So no. the way that they stagger him as kind of this guy off the bench, that's probably his best role. But value-wise, well, I, I, what are you getting out of Russ? I'll
0: say this, though. okay, As far as D'Angelo Russell goes, so far this season he's averaging – Four percentage points better from the field than his than his previous career, he's averaging three percentage points better from downtown than his previous career. He's six percent up from the line than his uh, than his career totals. Uh, half an assist up from his. He's having a really a very believe it or not a very efficient season. Like if you look at right. D'Angelo Russell's numbers, they're clearly better than his career totals. Now whether that translates to Los Angeles it's anybody's game and right. we also know that you know he was a piece that they felt they had to get rid of when they were bringing in lebron to begin with, we get that too
1: Yeah, and I think, let me let me be clear I think D'Angelo Russell is an upgrade from Russell Westbrook At this point right now I don't know what that brings for you in the future yeah. And if you're able to move on from D'Angelo Russell um, in, in the near future That might mean well for the Lakers I still just look at this deal right now The way it's sent uh, It has to include something else For the Lakers, like for example If the Lakers are indeed going to give up those Two unprotected picks Which could be very valuable yes, when it comes could. to 2027 and 2029 uh, i look at the lakers right now as a team who has to get something in return malik beasley jared vanderbilt those names have to in my opinion have to be in exchange they are for this big deal they are uh, coming back to la
0: so apparently russell beasley and vanderbilt are all going to be in the trade uh which also includes mike conley in picks to the timberwolves and then russell westbrook at a lightly protected 27 LA first round pick to the Jazz.
1: I love that move for the Timberwolves because if Mike Conley goes to the T-Wolves, that's the veteran guard that they needed that D'Lo isn't. He is not yeah. a veteran guard. He's not somebody who's going to provide that leadership with you. He's going to go out there and say, hey, I, this is my, my show. Let me go get a bucket. And maybe that's okay for LA. Maybe he knows how to deal with that spotlight since he's been there before. Uh, I don't know. I, I just, pairing D'Angelo Russell with Anthony Davis and LeBron James as the solution to to the Lakers season doesn't sound like a recipe to success but I do like the news that you're telling me about Malik Beasley and Jared Vanderbilt.
0: Yeah, that is uh, also something that uh, could could you know in the long run the grand scheme of things really help um, the Lakers out in terms of what they are looking for right now, which is quality depth that can help and and get it done. I mean, Beasley's averaging 13 and a half points a game. Vanderbilt is a guy that averages about eight a game, but he uh, you know is is very young. And yeah, I mean, this is a nice this a nice trade for the Lakers, especially because it's they're getting all this back for Russell Westbrook.
1: Now, here's the caveat around all of this. Uh, Sham Sharani is reporting this, same with ESPN's Adrian Janowski. The deal has not been finalized just yet. Correct. And the reason is, there is apparently another team who is vying for D'Angelo Russell from Minnesota. There's a team that really wants D'Lo uh, that's not named the Lakers. So we'll have to see if this ends up coming to fruition. Braun was very upset a week ago because uh, the Lakers did not land Kyrie. Imagine two weeks in a row of his frustrations if the Lakers Uh, strike out at the NBA trade deadline? Yeah,
0: that would be unbelievable. It really would. 17 past as uh, we continue here on Sports Talk Live from Radio Row and Super Bowl 57. Let's go to Charlie One for traffic. We'll come back plenty more, including a couple of prominent members of the Kansas City wide receiver room as we continue Sports Talk here. 600 ESPN El Paso. 24 past the hour as we continue here on Sports Talk. Still to come, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, along with Sky Moore of the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, we'll do that at the bottom of the hour, right after Sports Center. Meantime, we were talking some NBA before the break. It looks like the Lakers are going to land D'Angelo Russell for the second time. They drafted him. They traded him after two seasons. And now it looks like he's going to make a reunion after what has been uh, years away, uh, both in Brooklyn, Minnesota, And uh, now having the opportunity to come back to the Lakers.
1: I think the thing that the Lakers fans will hope is that he could get back to the form where he was with Brooklyn, where he was really catching his stride. But, mm-hmm. but again, he did that while he was with a team that didn't necessarily need the top-level guys. I would say this. Here's one of the big things that, to note about this trade right here. The Lakers' 2027 first-round pick to the Jazz is protected 1-4, to four, and they did not have to get rid of that 2029 uh, first-round draft pick. That's huge for the for Lakers fans out there, knowing that if they've got a top four pick, it's theirs. But anything else, that will go to Utah.
0: It's interesting. Now, in your opinion, when this deal gets done, um, between Utah, the Lakers, and Minnesota, Let's talk about the impact it's going to have on all three teams.
1: Okay, Utah is interesting because now this tells me they are in sell-now mode. They want to sell their entire team. Danny Ainge is now running things over with the Utah Jazz, which is so crazy, by the way. It is. But he is trying to tank for uh, arguably the greatest uh, prospect we've seen since Zion Williamson. I'm talking about Victor Wembenyama, uh, the the France uh, sensation uh, as far as basketball. He's going to be the number one draft pick out of the NBA, and he is who everybody's trying to gun for, but the problem is Utah is 27 and 28 overall right now. They're not necessarily uh, one of the bottom feeder teams mm-hmm. like, a, like the Rockets, like the Spurs, like the Pistons, like the Hornets. Those are the teams right now who are vying for that last spot, but like as we've seen before from lottery uh, draft picks, it doesn't really matter. As long as you're kind of in that bottom eight range, yeah. you, could definitely, uh, you could definitely qualify for that. So for Utah, this tells me tomorrow they are going to be very active at the trade deadline, uh, shipping away a lot of their players
0: well and that could be the case um and you wonder though so you look at the jazz right now the way they uh, currently stand and I haven't even started checking salaries yet but um you know I, I don't think that uh Laurie Markkinen gets traded I mean he's their leading scorer he's basically their best player and if you deal him away then you say to yourself, "Well, what do you really have left?" Plus, he's twenty-five years old. He is a franchise player. You you can't trade your franchise, can you?
1: Because he's so cheap. He is a cheap player right now. He's his highest uh, paid salary will be eighteen thousand a year. And just to put that into perspective, they traded away Mike Conley today as part of this deal. Yep. He's making twenty-two point six this year, and he's making twenty-four point three next year. So you're getting a, a better player in Laurie Markkinen to stay. Oh, I guess. Edit, different position, but he's playing the best basketball of his entire career right now. Aside from Laurie Markinen and Colin Sexton, the Jazz do not have ties to many players across their entire roster. I could see them trying to get rid of guys like Jordan Clarkson. Is there a Got- market, though, for Jordan Clarkson yes, right now? Yes, right, right now there is. If you need depth off the bench, I, I could tell you uh, three teams right off the top of my head who could use him. The Los Angeles Clippers, they need depth in their guard, you know, in the backcourt. Uh, the Warriors, who just lost Steph Curry for the next couple weeks. And then Kyrie Irving, he needs a backup as well. The Dallas Mavericks would like to add some more quality depth in their backcourt. So I think there is a market for Jordan Clarkson. I also think there's a market for guys like Kelly Olenek, uh, who, hey, if the Lakers are willing to keep spending with the Jazz, he might find his way over there. Young guys who will stay with Utah, Ochai Abaji from Kansas, they will not Uh, put him on the market. Walker Kessler, who's been awesome. They will not trade him whatsoever. Those are the guys I I would say are kind of your untouchables, along with Laurie Markkinen.
0: 28 past the hour as we continue. So you think that uh, it's going to be wild tomorrow by the deadline?
1: I I do. I think there are a lot of teams right now who are convincing themselves it's not over. It is yeah. not over whatsoever when it comes to this season. And they're not, there's not really a clear favorite unless you're the Boston Celtics out of the East. But even then... If you're the Bucks, you, you can make a trade. The 76ers could still have a trade under their belt. If you're the Cavs, I feel like the East is open right now. Why not Why not try to go for it?
0: I also feel like the Knicks have a lot of guys to trade. Yes, Because yes. Um, if you watch the roster and you see what's happening, there's rumors R.J. Barrett could be dealt. I know, I uh, know. Rumor is that in Tom Thibodeau's defense, he doesn't play enough of it. And as a result... You might see the franchise get traded away
1: He's not closing games for them no. I, I would I judge players By closing game moments How do you perform when the game is on the line in basketball And when you're just going shot for shot With players and if you look at his contract Right now uh, a very cap friendly Player this year R.J. Barrett is But next year he gets that $23 million cap spike That is tough for a team like the Knicks to hold When they want to be in the market For high name marquee uh, free agents And if they unload R.J. Barrett it maybe uh you know sell high on him right now they could have a great opportunity to see what they can get in return I I, I would be interested to see if they could do that um another yeah. name to watch for the Knicks to see if he ends up moving Isaiah Hartenstein. he That's hasn't right. played well for the Knicks but I think he's a pretty good player
0: you know the Foss is packing up his gear he just came back um, ready and, for the party and I guess so they were they are ready for the party I was going to ask him what he has coming up on the show tomorrow, but he just disconnected his entire system. So I don't have any idea what (laughs) laying down the law is going to even sound like tomorrow. Open them back Um, in. There um, we go. But that's good. Okay, let's do this. Let's get to Sports Center. Yes. As soon as we come back with Sports Center, the FOSS is going to preview tomorrow's laying down the law with us as we continue here.
1: And it will get Sky Moore and, and Marquez Valdez-Canlon It's right? going to be awesome.
0: It's going to be a great final 30 minutes, 600 ESPN El Paso. We continue here on the program, and the FOSS uh, joins us uh, once again from laying down the law, or somebody said lay it the law. Or, lay What was it? It was lay the law. Lay the law. Laying How do you like that? Law. I like lay the law, Foss. That uh, was one of our listeners.
1: Laying the law? They called
0: it lay the law. Lay up the law? Okay. I mean, it's it's They shortened it.
2: Okay. The, what did they think? Did it, did, were the overall positive? You got some great
1: reactions.
0: Yes, yeah, very nice. Very nice reactions from people.
2: Well, I'll tell you this, and, you know, I am speaking for Chris and, in the show. Yes. We can't thank you enough for the collaboration because, again, you know, we are El Pasoans. We don't live in El Paso, but we are El Pasoans. If there was one place I know I can go, if everything else fails, it's there. I always go home. That's true. You could. Montwood and Yarborough, baby. Montwood and Yarborough the seven nine nine two five.
0: I
1: got you a couch.
0: <laughs> all right, we got thank you. this. I have a, I have an extra spare guest room for you if you want that. Uh, well, you, you know, better.
2: I I know that kind of sounds crazy, but the the thing is this, you know, everything that we do right now, um, Chris and myself, we have a third member, Rachiko Tanner. Uh-huh. Uh, he's from San Antonio, which is awesome. So we have the 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 flag there. We're El Pasoans, and you know you steve and i um we we really worked hard to figure this out and it's great that you know you have adrian i have chris along but we're we understand who who we're broadcasting to what that area looks like what it means to us and it means a lot and it means a lot to be able to come on a international worldwide scene and say we're from el paso texas and we love our sports And we're going to do a great job along with everyone else in the world. And that's a true statement.
0: You know, that's a beautiful thing. All I wanted to know is who was going to be on tomorrow's show. And uh, this is what I ended up getting instead.
2: Well, I apologize. (laughs) Nonetheless, Andrew Hawkins, and I I start with him because he has a tie back to El Paso. He played in the Texas versus the Nation game when you broadcasted that game, Cappy. correct. We also talked. We're going to have Lee Steinberg, and we'd right like nice. for you to please be a part of our show as as Adrian was uh, today. Always a joy. We had uh, the opportunity to catch up with him when we all went to the Cowboys game. Um, Garrett Blunt. 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 That's a great. day come there you come go. come back uh, tomorrow. Uh, you Sean King. Have, Sean King. Ryan uh, Leaf. Um, there, there could be. There yeah, so could A-list be, uh, guys. Let's Jim, go. Jim Everett.
0: There you go. Would love that, and too. And I saw Jim Rome was up there.
2: He was on. Uh, was he? Yeah, he was on Fox Sports
0: Radio. I need to and talk was, to Jim. I was
2: going to go push his chair over
0: oh and my say, God. hey, man,
2: back at you, fool.
0: Jim's <laughs> a good guy. He's a uh, horse racing owner. Did you know that? I did not. And he had a horse that raced at Sullen Park last year.
2: Ah. So oh, he'll yeah. love this.
0: He will. He'll like us. Yes, we talked to Jim last year. Who doesn't year. like us? There you go. The collective <laughs> us. It's so true. We're so likable.
2: But listen again, you know, we're a weekend show, and and we thank you for allowing us to expand our coverage, and, and be a part of your coverage during the week, uh, for for El Paso and beyond. And you know, the cool thing is because of technology, people in Austin, people out of the state of Texas yep. can also hear the broadcast that we're doing. Uh, a friend of my uh, of, of mine, uh, Vasu, he he's up in uh, he's he's out in uh, Cali. He's not here yet. He said, man. Great to be able to listen to you all. So the technology is is huge for what radio can do now and and beyond uh, with with the technology. And your plans tonight, you're going partying. So tonight, this one we always do. Wednesday night is is basically Larry Center's night. Yes. And uh, uh, I think it's Locker Room with Larry. It used to be Laughs uh, with Larry. Uh, He said he's changing up the format, and and a lot of folks – From home and whatnot are gonna are gonna meet us there and hopefully because you have the invitation if you'd like uh you know you and Adrian at least for a hey howdy we appreciate come in and uh, you you know you're on the guest list with me I already talked to him Larry Center snuck in uh in between shows and 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 gave us the hey you know uh, Rita big shout out to her based in Dallas and she kind of coordinates everything she does a wonderful job uh for his. Charity efforts. We're going to get in there and see what he he's bringing tonight because we like to to support his efforts and and uh you know get something and, and keep moving.
0: I want to know how you worked a free lunch for tomorrow, considering they're charging 18 bucks a pop I know, here because that Sean
2: off. Alexander and his group yeah. are having the, the and we we did this last year at the Super
0: Bowl. They have a hot truck. That's awesome.
2: Uh, Eleven to one, and so. I uh, saw Sean, and he may be able to good. to come over and, and love jump Sean on. Alexander from yes. his playing
0: game. He's One of the better running backs in the league during his time, and he's doing time. great
2: things. Good now, good uh, post uh, career, and uh, so we may be able to get him good. over. So is that a little, little bit of a tease there.
0: Very nice. All right, listen, go out, get yourself ready to party tonight. Have fun, and we'll be ready to go tomorrow and do this all over again. Absolutely. All right. Can't thank nice. y'all enough. El Paso, I love
2: you. Laying down the law loves you. And we love that. We get to do Wednesday, Thursday, can you Friday. Please, and to close it out. Please give Chris I a shout-out. And David, and, too, for putting you up for the last uh, three days. And to close it out. Yeah. There's Matthew Barry. Want me get Matthew See get Matthew You need
0: a list of, It would be nice. All right, let me say it. Th- no, we're, we would we're Phil. 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 Chris,
2: Fernandez, thanks, David, and Eastwood. David. Thank you, thank
0: you. Good job.
2: Great guys. I love them. And I'm going to see if I can run over and get Matthew Berry. All right, beautiful. All right,
0: bye. That sounds great. All right, Foss is on a mission. He's on the prowl. We'll come back. Final countdown. We'll wrap it up next with, uh, as we promised, MVS, Sky Moore, 600 ESPN El Paso.
1: All right, welcome back. Sports Talk Live from Radio Row ahead of Super Bowl 57. Adrian is here closing things out along with Steve Kaplowitz. I want to take you out to two conversations that we had earlier today with a pair of Kansas City Chiefs members. Uh, You'll know both of the names. They're both wide receivers for the teams, and they both have completely different paths uh, coming here to Super Bowl 57. First off, Marquez Valdez-Scantling joined the Chiefs over the offseason from the Green Bay Packers in which he had a chance Chance to play uh, several years with former minor and of course El Pasoan uh, Aaron Jones, who was at, who was out there in Green Bay as his teammate, and then we'll get a chance to meet with Sky Moore, who is a sensational rookie who has emerged onto the scene for the Kansas City Chiefs, and uh, we get a chat. Uh, we get a chance to chat with him about all things football and especially some action as well. We'll let you uh, listen into this conversation next, and then we'll close things out right here on 600 ESPN El Paso.
0: Mark Westford. First off, you had a chance to spend a good chunk of your career with Aaron Jones in Green Bay. What was what was Aaron like? We're from 600 ESPN El Paso, and obviously, a lot of our listeners have a huge uh, interest in Aaron.
7: Yeah, uh, Aaron Jones is actually my neighbor uh, when I was in Green Bay. Uh, he's one of the best NFL players, uh, obviously, and um, he was even an even better person, a better teammate. Um, his family's great. His son's great. Um, he would always come over and play with my dogs. Um, he's just a, a, a good human being. Uh, I love him to death.
8: That being said, um, as you've transitioned out here to
0: Kansas City, Marquez, it's been probably a, a dream season so far, just in terms of getting to the Super
7: Bowl. Let's talk a little bit about for you what this what this year's been like. Uh, it's been it's been great. Everything I uh, every reason why I came out here is uh, is what it's been. You know, I'm excited about the opportunity to go play the Super Bowl. You know that's why I came here. It's why I made a decision to come out to Kansas City, uh, and everything has worked out how it's supposed to.
0: You've also had the uh, opportunity yeah, to play yeah. first with Aaron Rodgers and now with uh, Patrick Mahomes. Most receivers would say they would kill for that opportunity. And Talk a little bit about what that's been like for you.
7: Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a dream come true to be able to play with two of the best guys to ever throw football. So having those guys as my quarterbacks for my career, you know, I couldn't ask for a better situation. As far as the game coming up on Sunday, uh, you know, these two teams, uh,
0: even across the board, a lot of similarities between Patrick and Jalen Hurts and the two teams itself. Give me your thoughts on just uh, what you've seen from Philadelphia so far.
7: Yeah, I mean, they're a good football team. Number one seed, uh, great defense, uh, great offense, can run the ball, got playbackers on the outside to to go up and catch the ball so they're they're a good team all around the board Um, and that's why they're here competing against us now is this just going to be another game for you or is there going to be something uh, really special when you take the field for the first time sunday and and be a part of it not just another game man never get too high never get too low um obviously we're playing for you know the, the world championship but at the end of the day it's still football
0: uh, we're here with Sky Moore right now. First off, what a rookie season it's been like for you. Talk a little bit about you know just
4: what
8: the transition has been and, and, and how you've really been able to take everything in so far this season. Yeah, for sure, it's definitely been a, um, a transition to say the least. You know, so coming from a Mac school and coming from college period, you know, you got to learn how to be a pro. You got to learn how to do do things not only as an NFL player but as a chief, which is which is pretty different. Uh, understanding like the culture that we have set here, so. It's definitely been a, a smooth transition with the, with the help of my, you know, veterans in the in receiver room, but, you know, a transition for sure. What's been the toughest part of that transition for you? Uh, the toughest part of that transition is I'd probably say the mental aspect, like just little stuff like being a pro. Like you, if you go home, you get all this free time, you don't, It's not really free time. You got to really, you know, buckle down and do what you got to do outside of the building to make sure you can succeed the next day.
0: At the same time, Sky, you mentioned the receiving room. It's an unbelievable group. So many veterans that have been around a long time. Yeah, we just spend a little time with with Marquez and talk yeah, to him yeah. about everything. So, what have you been able to
8: learn and, and sponge off those veterans so far? Everything. You know, just I take, I take, I take from everybody. Whether it's a route, uh, a routine, the mindset. You know, just how they. How they spend their money, you know what I'm saying? I, I I take everything from them. And and I'm grateful for them for sure. Cause it, it made me into like the person I am today.
1: We
0: always love asking people what's it like catching balls from Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Uh, tell us firsthand what, what that's
8: been like for you this season. It's been great. You know, it's been it's been like unpredictable. Mm-hmm. Kind of unpredictable for sure. Like you gotta you gotta always keep your eyes on the swivel. Cause that ball could be coming out at any moment. And it's one of those like you, you're not gonna run too far from you're not. You're not. You're never out of his range. So it's it's definitely a good experience to be out there for Pat.
0: At the same time, you've done a lot on special teams this year. Is that something yeah. that you've been enjoying as well, getting the opportunity to really help make a name for yourself in special teams?
8: Yeah, for sure. Uh, I've, I've really never been a, a special teams like a, a special teams guy growing growing up in my career. But um, yeah, definitely knowing that that's that's a role that I needed to step into for to help the team is is definitely. Uh, definitely a, a, a good task for me this season.
0: This guy more right now as we continue. Fans haven't seen anywhere close to what you're capable of in the NFL. No. Is it kind of exciting that it's almost like they're getting a taste right now, but they know that the best is yet to come?
8: Yeah, absolutely. They're, getting, they're just getting a little bit of flashes. So, <clears throat> I'm sorry. But when I get it all together, everybody's going to see why why uh, Beach and Coach Reed got me here, for sure. Speaking of Coach Reed, what's he been like for you? He's been great. You know, just a just a, a, a good teacher, you know, somebody who's gonna who's gonna put you in situations, see how you react, and then he'll go from there. You know what I'm saying? He'll 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 adjust and give you the work that and the learning that you need specifically.
0: Sky, so you were just in the AFC Championship game and saw what that crowd was like in your hometown for Kansas City. Yeah. What's it gonna be like Sunday when you run out in the field for the first time and you're really right there at the center of, uh, of Super Bowl
8: 57? I, I can't even explain that right now. You know, it's gonna be. It's going to be crazy when we run out of that tunnel and, and you know, hear, hear everybody from the kingdom going crazy. And I could just only imagine it right now. So I just can't wait for sure. What do you've seen so far on film when you look at the Eagles? Good. Solid defense. Solid, great defensive line. Solid corners. You know, just uh, overall good defense. So we, we'll definitely have to uh, bring our A game for sure.
0: Man, last question. You mentioned the MAC earlier on. We love Mac-tion. Yeah, yeah. Tell everybody listening what it's like, especially when you've got the the uh, middle of the week to yourself. There's yeah. snow on the field, and we're
8: getting a chance to watch some action. Man, that's that's probably one of the best one of the best times of the year. You know, November Tuesday, Wednesday. There's like 700 people in the crowd, cold as ever, and and, and it's time for you to you get up. But you get all the attention of. So like it's definitely a, a a good opportunity for players out of the MAC to put, get put on that stage.
1: And that'll wind us up here, Super Bowl Radio Row Day One, ahead of Super Bowl Fifty Seven. That'll wind us up here on Sports Talk today. Want to give a special thanks to our broadcast sponsor, Rise Federal Credit Union, and also big special thanks to all our great supporting members here on the show, Technomark El Paso, New Start Homes. Burger Bros, Expert HVAC and Refrigeration, Papa Eric's Burgers. Uh, You also have El Pedro Grande Tequila, Synergy Temperature Control, The Oscarati at the Agency, Moramia Barrio Kitchen and Drinks, Border Pallets, also Pelican Steak and Seafood, and Chick-fil-A Airway and Cielo Vista Mall. We'll be back at it tomorrow. Noon, noon, we'll have Laying Down the Law with, of course, Steve Foster and Chris Fernandez. And then afterward, we'll bring you another edition of Sports Talk Live from 4 to 6.30 ahead of UTEP Basketball. And Charlotte, see, we did it day one in the books. A lot of fun. Um, you know, for I,
0: I, it's crazy because I thought it was uh, everything we expected, and I think the most exciting thing now is how the next two days are going to go. I mean, it's going to be like this. It's probably going to get even a uh, little more hectic for us, which uh, I like. And hey. As long as our listeners have plenty to enjoy, which they will, it's uh, going to be a lot of fun uh, as we get you ready for the big one here on Sunday.
1: I can't wait. we got two big days ahead of us, and Sports Talk Live back here, Super Bowl Radio Row, coming up tomorrow and Friday.
0: Don't worry, folks. We're going to be here bright and early, and uh, you're going to have plenty, and I mean plenty to listen to for tomorrow's show as well as Friday. So, yes, uh, looking forward to that, and uh, looking forward to all of you coming back with us beginning at noon tomorrow for laying down the the law, and then with us back at Sports Talk at 4. So, for Angel Munoz, Adrian us I'm Steve Kaplowitz. We'll talk to you again tomorrow, everybody, on 600 ES Piano Paso.